0: Hello and thank you for listening to episode 347 of 60MW and the entertainment show for January and February 2021 brought to you by Below the Belt Grooming. I'm Dave and joining me as always is a man who knows all about grooming. It's Chris. Hello. Hello. Hello.
1: How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right, mate. How are you? Yes, very well. Uh, I'm in, looking forward to recording with you all week. It's uh, It's been nice, to, it's because we record on a Friday, so uh, it's just a nice way to round off the week, you know. And um, I had a busy week at work and all that kind of jazz. But then, you know, you're sort of like looking forward to kicking back, talking about some TV and movies and documentaries and all that kind of stuff. Uh, well, not me, documentaries. Uh, you, documentaries. <laughs> However, saying that, <gasps> you, you should have the hallelujah ready. Oh. Um, have you? No, you haven't. No, I deleted it. Because, <laughs> well, I haven't
0: deleted it. I knew what was on. Uh. What was on the Hallelujah button is now a new
1: uh, a new alert sound. Ooh. Ooh. well, um, so anyway, I, I, I fucked that up for you then, didn't I? Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, Hallelujah. I've picked a documentary for us to watch and talk about later. So that just tease to tease the listeners. How Ooh, exciting. Nice. More documentary chat, mate. You know what more was up for that? All yeah, um, um, but other than that, I'm good. I, I've yeah. been, like I said, we've what have we re-recorded since we last spoke? We've done Adam and I have done a, I think, and well, we did another movie show, no, a couple of movie shows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got Blind Fury under our belt with Rutger Hauer and uh, the Blob. The Blob. There's a there's a, a long sort of like conversation about hey, you can't you can't just say the Blob. You have to like, emphasize the Blob kind of thing, you know, <laughs> when you're like- saying. It reminds
0: me of is it series two of Black Blackadder where he meets Bob
1: yes and guess what Adam actually says that as well oh nice there you go great minds think alike oh yes
0: (laughs) yeah it's been two months hasn't it since we've uh, last recorded one of these so it's gone quick
1: yeah it has it has gone really quick actually um because you know you think oh you know it's a couple of months and all that but um, it does fly by, particularly, like you said, well, we've been, again, or as always, releasing shows left, right and centre. So, um, Yeah, two
0: a week yeah. still. We've kept to the two a week, Monday and Thursdays, with the odd surprise Saturday show thrown in for good measure.
1: Yeah, lots of interviews and um, other stuff. Yeah, it's been good. It's been good, good. Keeping people occupied and busy and entertained, hopefully. So, yeah. Hopefully.
0: Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Well. We, have had, we have had some good feedback to be fair we've had some nice emails we've had some emails because some listeners as well have bought some below the belt uh grooming products too which oh. is good and also who was uh, dipped his nads into their products andy bolton for you know tokyo blade he who <laughs> wrote and performs our theme tune he whatsapped me to say yeah he's got some thanks to uh, listening to us and the show
1: mm-hmm. wow that's yeah. good well I've got, um, I'm training for a marathon in, which I'm doing in May. Yeah. So, um, I've, the, the running has ramped up a bit more than it, it was. Um, so, uh, and I've, I've done a, a couple of 17 mile runs. So, uh, it's been a godsend to be quite honest with you, you know, cuts back on the chafing and, um, just helps to make things feel a bit fresher, which is nice. Oh, yeah. So, Yeah.
0: I like how he just casually threw in a couple of 17 mile runs. I couldn't say that because I'd be in a grave if I tried to do that. (laughs)
1: Well the first one i think um did, well i did push it a little bit and this is before i actually started doing a proper training plan and i thought you know i'll I, although i'm 44 i still think in my mind i'm about 18 or, mm-hmm. or 19 mm-hmm. so um when i signed up for this marathon i thought you know what i can run half marathons fairly comfortably let's try and run 20 miles i've never done that before why not um and you know what <laughs> i won't even bother taking a drink with me because oh. i'm hard, i'm hardcore oh. i won't take any food, um, you know what I mean? I'll just go for it, and, and you know, so I, I think I didn't run 20 miles, I ran about 16. Um, but the last mile or so, I did start to get some pains in my chest, um, <laughs> which I have had checked out. Um, and thankfully, there's nothing wrong with me, Good. but yeah, it's a bit, bit weird. Um, so yeah, note to self, you're, you're, you're nearly 45, um, and <laughs> also take a drink take some food yeah. you're not you Hydrate. know do be an idiot, yeah so
0: definitely yeah i couldn't i couldn't do it when i was 18 mate i was always 100 and 200 meters and that was me done i did those nothing above that no thank you
1: yeah well i i um you know taken up running quite late in life, I guess, and like, you know, so, um, but yeah, you just build up to it, don't you? But I'm enjoying it anyway, so, and, and plus as well, doing the podcasts, it, it's, it's, doing stuff like that gives me um, opportunities to listen to, you know, when I'm doing yeah, runs for like yeah, two, half, two and a half hours or whatever, yeah. you know, so, That's yeah. That's good. Well,
0: you know what? That is a very uh, professional segue into my first recommendation.
1: course and I think this
0: is a first because I don't think I've ever recommended an app before
1: oh i went all frankie howard then as well didn't i Ooh. oh <laughs> sorry
0: <laughs> bit camp if, if there is anybody listening that doesn't know who frankie howard is do yourself a favor and just go and google him and that you can thank us later just go and watch everything that he's ever done and you <laughs> you will you will have a few laughs mm-hmm. uh th- this is an app and it's also a website it is available on android and ios uh and i i went on the website for it and it's an amazing website as well it's uh, because we we've used TuneIn, haven't we? Which is an app, and you listen to radio worldwide, and we listen to Alan over in America on it, don't we? TuneIn. Yes. In.
1: Yeah. Although, although saying that, um, they uh, I don't know what they did, but they I think TuneIn started to get a bit pissy about um, people from the UK or countries abroad listening to stuff in America. So it's I couldn't listen to it. But the stupid thing is, is that I can just go to say WBHF, which is uh, the radio station that Alan works for mm. and just click on listen live yeah it's like yeah. what's the point in stopping me from listening to it exactly. via tuning when i can just do it on the, the website anyway so you it's just anyway but yes go on sorry yeah. well fuck tuning now they can <laughs> <up>. <laughs> get, your, get
0: yourself an app or visit the website radio garden it is the user interface for it is amazing it's it's the world you know it's planet earth and it's this um 3d representation of it and you just spin the globe and the globe is full of all these little dots these little green dots covered in them each one is a radio station and you can zoom in you you can do the old pinch and zoom to zoom into the globe and spin it and wherever the globe starts Um, stops if it's over a light it will automatically play that radio station and there's all little independent radio stations you know you could just stop and it's a tiny little independent radio station in india for example and it comes up with the details of it and it plays everything i've been hooked to it mate it's so good even just sitting there and spinning the globe and and going okay where's it going to end and it's on that radio station it's, you know, when you've got, oh, I've got 10 minutes to spare. I'll listen to the radio. And then you end up, you'll end up spending more than 10 minutes with this, mate. It's quite, it gets quite addictive, <laughs> to be honest with you. So uh, yeah, Radio Garden app and website.
1: That is mental. I'm looking at it now on mm. the website. And like you said, you've got the globe in front of you and all these little green lights yeah, and, yeah. and dots. And that is beautiful pretty incredible i'm just looking at uh, the ones i'm interested in the ones that are out in the middle of nowhere yeah there's <laughs> yeah. just thinking well what's that about then oh, uh, oh one it's one in russia it's like i said that is in the middle of nowhere um there's tons in the uk as i'm sure you can imagine but it sort of zooms in on where you are as well yeah when you you feel wow this is incredible this is very cool it's good
0: isn't it? and the app works the same way you just see the globe and you just spin it around and then see you know see what you can find it's good
1: that's amazing wow i'm gonna be playing with this for the next two and a half hours <laughs> <laughs> that is very cool i'm just looking seeing wow yeah you
0: know what as well if you're if you sat on your computer and you oh, better time to kill you normally scroll through twitter or something you will end up going to radio garden and just scrolling through that and seeing what
1: what it ends up on one in the middle. Of, what's this one? It's in the It's in Saudi Arabia. The Tamil Radio, Saudi Arabia. Awesome. This is all. This is very cool. Oh my God! There's one right in the middle of. It's a oh. Where's this? Uh, it's an island, uh, Jamestown, Saint Helena, and it is uh, like the tiniest little island in the middle of nowhere. It's unreal. Wow. It's good, isn't it? That's very cool. I'm going to be playing with this now. There you go. So, if
0: anybody listening, if uh, yeah, if you get it and you like it, send us send us an email or a tweet. Let us know what you think, uh, and get in touch with. I think it's good as well if you find little independent radio stations. Just yeah, send them a you know a, a little message or something
1: i'm like, gonna because can... wouldn't
0: it be cool you know like you said that one in the middle of nowhere and they get an email you know i send it and they go oh we've had an email from wales somebody in <laughs> wales has been listening to <laughs> us well, that'd be so good i'd love it you know if i was on that little island there oh my god yeah, it'd be great
1: can you search for oh you can there's yeah. a little search oh button. yeah
0: yeah if you if you know what particular station you want to listen to you can search for it too it's all you know it's not just potluck but there that's, you go. that's the exciting thing about it is potluck.
1: <laughs> I found Alan's radio station. Yeah. Oh, wow. And you can zoom in. as It's like Google Maps, isn't it? You can mm-hmm. zoom right into yeah. where it is at street level. That's awesome. Yeah. Dave, is. I think that's probably the best thing you've ever recommended. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck all
0: the TV and documentaries and all that. <laughs> Get on this. Yeah? That is amazing. I thought you'd like that, mate. Hopefully people listening will like that one too.
1: How how did you find out about that?
0: You know what? It was through a podcast I was listening to. I think I'd been listening to an episode of The Infinite Monkey Cage.
1: Mm. And
0: it was, I'm pretty sure it was an advert at the end of it. I I think it was that. Um, Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was that. Because I'd never heard of it before. And I thought, you know what? Sounds interesting. I'll give it a look. And I was like you, mate this is amazing <laughs> i ended up just playing with it for ages so uh, yeah i've got the app on my phone and i've used it quite a bit on the computer too
1: wow mm. there's one one right in the sorry this is really boring for everybody one right in the middle of australia in the middle of nowhere uh, uh alice springs wow it's just there's nothing for miles and miles and miles around it so <laughs> think well if that hang on i'm assuming oh it, it looks okay so right <laughs> it looks as if there's nothing around it because obviously it's just a dot but yeah. when you scroll in and zoom it's actually quite a big uh area um but never mind sorry uh but yeah it's amazing wow i love it i'm gonna i'm gonna have to click to get rid of it you're now, gonna have to turn I'm... it
0: off mate or else yeah it'll be too addictive oh
1: damn that's cool <laughs> uh
0: tv i've got two tv shows Ooh. and again this is what we could do with a hallelujah music sting isn't it two oh, tv hallelujah. <laughs> the first one right i'm really late to the party with this because it ran between 2012 and 2017 three series comedy show it's on netflix it's one of those 20 odd minute shows mate you know those ones that we really like mm. you'll like this uncle it's called uh, and it's about an amateur musician and a uh, he he takes his nephew out on on different days out to different things they they have a relationship a uh, i don't want to give too much too much away because it's it's one of those shows like i said it's like 20 odd minutes and it's really funny it's rude the episode that we watched tonight like the kid it's a 12 year old kid uh, and he catches his mum having a wank so (laughs) If you find that kind of stuff funny, this is for you. And I'm sure... Well,
1: clearly I do. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's loads of people listening that have already seen it and thinking, for fuck's sake, Dave, why have you only just discovered this? Um, but there's so much stuff on Netflix, isn't it? we just scrolling through. And I want to get it out there now. We're near the end of, of series one. Like I said, there's three series. It's only on Netflix until March the 30th. And then it's been taken off. Now, I'm presuming it will still be available wherever because i think it might have been shown on the bbc to begin with although i'm not hmm. quite sure about that but the internet you know it will be available somewhere uh, mm-hmm. so uncle yeah funny um rude it's got it's got it's got some heart to it as well, which is always a good thing. We talk to the characters immediately, love the characters in it, and there's, you know, bits of pathos in it, and you really feel for them, a little bit of sad here and there. There's a funny song always thrown into every episode as well because he's an amateur musician. Uh, but we've, we have been, every episode so far, we have been laughing out loud, which is always a good sign, isn't it, for a comedy show. So Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. Uncle. Now, have you ever heard of it before, mate? Because I hadn't.
1: No, not at all. Mm. So, but it's one of those. I think, like you said, that um, like Kay and I are always on the lookout for stuff like that. So, we'll uh, I'll add that to my to watch list. Mm. That's brilliant. Yeah, particularly because you've said that there's, you know, uh, a scene where, you know, a woman's having a wank. So,
0: <laughs> you don't actually see it. It's the <laughs> aftermath. She's uh, she's distraught <laughs> in on lying on a bed, phoning her brother up, uh, saying that you know her son's caught her having having a wank. So, oh. <laughs> yeah. But there is, there's lots of stuff. This that's the, you know, that's the type of humour. And um, but yeah, it's the relationship between them is really good too. It's one of those who go, oh, as well. Huh? So,
1: can and women f- have wanks? Is that sorry? You just <laughs> sparked something
0: off.
1: <laughs> or do they just have some me time? Do you mean? Just, what do you mean? Just you know, flicking themselves off, don't they? You know, it's well, that's not flicking themselves <laughs> off. <laughs> flicking the bean. <laughs> That the, the women don't wank, really, do they? I don't know. I, Any I've, women listeners, let us know. I think you'll
0: find they do. <laughs> <laughs> or else the vibrator market will be non-existent, wouldn't it? She'll More less, have to
1: ask my wife. Yes.
0: Well, don't ask her now. She might be having some me time while <laughs> we're recording. She's thinking, oh, I've got rid of him for a couple of hours. Yeah, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, if you hear Lucy or Sophie scream, you know they've caught her. That'll be it. <laughs> <laughs> uh the second TV show um is Snowpiercer, which is of course comes from the film. Have you seen the film Snowpiercer from twenty thirteen?
1: no but you mentioned it when you recorded with adam and i for the abc of gaming mm. and uh, you you said that i think you were watching it then weren't you yeah
0: well we carried on we've started series two now series two has started on netflix again uh, the film is well worth watching if nobody's watched that yet from 2013 it's a really good film you don't need to watch the film to watch the tv series uh, of course the tv series the same story the world has frozen over and there's just this one train that's going along this perpetual track and going round and round the planet. Uh, and this train in the series is a thousand and one cars long. It's a really fucking long train. Mm. and it started it starts good. I've got to admit after two or three episodes, I was a bit uh, wasn't too sure about it. prefer the film as I normally do. It's one of those series it's just got better and better and better with each episode. Um, so if you do watch it and you're a bit unsure after two or three episodes, stick with it. And it really reaches, you know, it gets into its stride, but halfway through. And then every episode from then on, right through to the end of series one, into series two, it's just like, oh, you're gripping your seat going, fuck, I want to watch. It's one of those. It finishes. I want to watch the next one. Mm.
1: It's good. Yeah. Cool. Um, the film was directed by the guy who did uh, Parasite as well? Yeah, it is, yeah. And he's a producer on the TV show. Oh, cool. I'll have to check that one out as well. Is it grim? Like, is it, like... The reason I ask that is just, again, because I'm thinking about stuff that Kay and I can watch. Yeah,
0: yeah i mean there's scenes where because it's freezing outside what happens is there's the class system in there so they've got what they call the tailies at the back which is more you know the working class they shove to the back and all you know the upper class are all at the front and all all the upper class people you know they have all the best food and everything and all the people at the back they get all the shit uh and yeah some of the things if they don't do as they're told their arm is put through this like the side of the train and it freezes and then they pull back and their arms smashed off because it's frozen solid oh wow um it's not it's not overly gory it, it's a very you know human story and yeah it's, it's all about the class system and it is you know what would happen if the whole planet was just melted down to these however many hundred people um, on a train or thousands of people on the train and, it would still be the same people would still be fighting and having to go at each other even though mm. you were the last people on earth it would still be the same um it's good in fact i think i'm enjoying it more than the film which is really unusual for me to mm. say that so i think if anything is um you know says anything good about it it's i'm really preferring it to the film
1: Wow, that's good. It's good that it's carried on, though. Um, you know, like you said, from the film, isn't it? it? Just expands on it, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. I mean, it starts. It doesn't. It's not really. It doesn't even like
0: continue from it. It's. It tells the same. The same story. It's got the same starting point of Earth has frozen. Everybody's got on the train, um, but of course it's got a lot more time to mm. to tell it, and the characters are different. And um, yeah, it's it's good. It's really really good, and there, it's about. It's one of those 40-odd-minute shows, so it's a good nighttime one. We normally watch it if we watch a film at night and there's oh, not enough time to watch another film, but, you know, not time for bed or anything to turn in yet. That's watch an episode of Snowpiercer, so we've been doing mm. that.
1: Very good, uh-huh. very good. Uh, is that your TV done, did you that's say? My,
0: that's my TV done.
1: Okay, so uh, I've... I hate to call it TV because it's it's almost like it's too good to be TV you know what I mean when I think of TV you think of sort of like you know terrestrial TV that kind of thing but uh, you know the the stuff I'm going to talk about is just it's movie-like quality but it just happens to be episodic Um, so we're re-watching The Mandalorian oh oh uh, but this time around we're doing it with the kids oh, um nice. you know so Sophie, sophie's 4 um and lucy's 8 so i mean some of the stuff will go over sophie's head but lucy's well into it but the, I mean, yeah. they both are to be fair mainly because of baby yoda um of uh, and course. you know or the yeah. child and that's what drew kay into it because um it, it, you know it's such a, a, a just just great to see you know that that character on the screen, if you want to call it that. Um, but there's all the other stuff. I mean, I you know again, I think it's one of those things. And we said it before about um, um oh shit, Cobra Kai. You know, there's stuff in there that 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 if what you know, you classes, I suppose the hardcore fans will pick up on every little thing. Mm-hmm. But then you know, for just the the, the layperson that you know just doesn't really get Star Wars or whatever, it's just it's brilliant. It's such a great great show. And I, I think I said to to Kay when we were watching it the first time around, I'd really like to re- watch this again, you know, but I never thought we'd watch it so soon afterwards. And Lucy's even saying, oh, when we, when it finishes, I want to watch it again. You know, it's, uh, oh, that's great. It's really, really good. It's such a good show, you know? And, um, so, and I'm just thinking that hopefully this will lead her into sort of watching a bit more star Wars, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that'd be good. Um, and then, so this, the, the thing that Kay and I were watching that, that we, um, I suppose we would say put off, but there was other things that we got got in the way, I guess. But we watched the first series of The Boys um, when that came out. I think it was on based on your recommendation. Mm-hmm. But we're watching the second series now.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And we're four episodes into it. So, um, you know, we're about halfway. I'm not sure how many episodes there are per series. series se- se- series, season, whatever, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but it is so far, you know, as good as, you know, the, the, the first series. I just absolutely love it. Um, you know, it's uh, great characters. I mean, you know, it just Carl uh, uh, Urban's character is hilarious. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> It's so good. And I chuckle every time he, he calls somebody a cunt, <laughs> which is quite often, um, you know, and, and it's, it's great. It really is. Um, it's funny. I mean, there was one piece of dialogue um, in the last episode that we watched that had me laughing my head off. It's just, it's just so well written and so funny. And, and the lines are delivered so well. Um you know, and and Homelander is such a prick. Yes, nice. <laughs> it is. Uh, such an unbelievable arsehole. And when when I was watching it, and I'm not going to give anything away in terms of the story, but he is, you know, the the sort of definition of an abusive partner or husband or whatever. You because he'll be really nice one minute, and then the next minute he's you know he says something really sort of like threatening, but in a non-threatening way. And then it just puts you on edge constantly. Look, like, What's he going to do? What's, you know, because he has the ability to just kill everybody. Yeah. Um, And he knows it. And that's the thing, you know, and, and, so, and particularly with some of the s- s- stuff that's going on, again, not, not saying anything about the story, but just him and his relationships. And uh, have you watched the second series yet? Oh,
0: God, yeah. We watched it when it came out. And yeah like you said loved it as much as, as the first series and my favorite character is the deep i love the deep and, and i think his character arc through both series is really good especially the series two. yeah because it, it, he starts off a total twat and then oh you know has a change of heart becomes a good guy and things change again it's yeah I've really, but all of the characters in it are great
1: yeah and it's so it's kind of um Taking a bit of a twist now and, and so like Where we're at Up You know With the story Or at With it uh, So it, it's Yeah I'm not sure, quite sure Where it's going to go At this point But it, it's great It's so So good You know And the thing is with it I mean there's a lot of I suppose what you call CG stuff in there But it doesn't look Overly CG to me And there's a violence In it It's really You know Graphic mm-hmm. A lot of it is Isn't yeah. it you oh, know, Yeah, know Heads getting ripped off Arms getting broken all sorts of shit going on, you know. But yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's got everything: <laughs> action, comedy, the works in it. Yeah, um, and the last thing again, and this is why I was what I kind of said at the start that you know to call this or to put it in the bracket of TV is just underselling it completely and doing it such a, a, a you know injustice. Um, is we watched the, the Queen's Gambit based on oh your recommendation and. Uh, Oh my God, it's amazing. I mean, I'll be honest with you. The first episode we watched, I wasn't completely sold mm-hmm. on it. You know, sometimes Same. you watch a TV show and you, you hooked from the start. Yeah. And I was, it, cause it was, a, it's a bit of a slow burn. And so, uh, you know, I wasn't certain if we were going to stick with it. Do you know what I mean? But then as slowly as, as it goes on and the more episodes you watch, I mean, there's sometimes we'd watch a couple of ep- episodes, you know, in a row, um, and it was just by the end of it, such a thrilling experience. Just such a brilliant, brilliant show. Um, you know, brilliantly acted, just I mean, direction was just incredible. And this is not to do any disservice to the the filmmakers, you know, and the, the um, person that directed it, I'll have to find out their name. Um but you know, there were scenes in it that just kind of looked a bit like it was directed by martin scorsese you know there's yeah. there's scenes in it where she's walking from um like a, a, a hotel car park through the lobby of the hotel up the stairs you know and then uh you know to the tables where she's going to be playing chess and it just felt like such a scorsese kind of shot you know what i mean just mm-hmm. like the way it tracked everything. It was just amazing. Um, Scott Frank and Alan Scott, there you go, are the creators of it. Um, And it's such a brilliant, brilliant show. I mean, you know, it's just there's moments where you you don't, you know, you you sort of think, oh, God, you know, where's this going? And (laughs) just... uh, amazing moments of triumph. I mean, the end, the last episode, you know, it kind of, I, I said, it felt like, you know, all the Rocky moments and movies um, put together, you know, yeah, where, yeah. where there's, there's all, it, they're playing chess. I know nothing about chess, but I was totally engrossed with what I was watching. Um, didn't understand, like I said, what they were doing in terms of chess, but you know, she's a she's a genius. Oh, so, yeah. you know, even if I did, I still possibly wouldn't get it. So, but again, <laughs> yeah. it's you you know, you don't have to understand chess to, to know what's going on but if you do then you possibly get even more out of it but um it's just a, an amazing show you know and just yeah brilliant I, I can't recommend it enough and uh just an awesome awesome show
0: oh i'm glad you enjoyed it because it is it is a bit of a hard sell isn't it hey go and watch this tv show it's about a woman who plays chess <laughs> you know, it could be about yeah. anybody who plays chess because you think you well, <laughs> know fucking how good's that gonna be well, it is, yeah, it's testament to not only the writing of the show and, you know, everybody behind the camera, but everybody in front of the camera too. I think both of the actresses uh, who play because, of course, you know, it's the younger actress at the beginning. She was brilliant as well in it, you know, when she's in the home. And then oh, you just get caught up in the story and the character and you think, like you said, what the fuck's going to happen next? <laughs> and mm. you just got no idea and you just get really caught up and it's very, very good. And I've read rumours that... It, could be a series two whether that's oh. been confirmed or not now i'm not sure um but yeah hmm. could be. and i think it was about her having a baby so we shall wait and see
1: hmm. Hmm. i don't know whether i'd want another series to be honest I with you, i think it's
0: perfectly doesn't
1: it yeah i, I think yeah I, i'm not sure what you'd get from it i mean like but still i mean i could possibly explore you know the the stuff about her and her relationship with her mom um but yeah don't know yeah, it could go all like Rocky
0: 3 and or Rocky 4, and, you know, there's this big steroid-ridden chess player that she has to, to, to <laughs> do a chess match against. I don't know.
1: Yeah, and uh, she gets a uh, best friend, buys her a robot for her birthday oh, or something. yeah,
0: and then there's this, like, music montage <laughs> in the middle of her, you know, practising chess yeah, to some 80s rock music. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good joke we don't write these things. <laughs> no um is that it for t- are we done with tv
1: yeah i've got uh, nothing else now
0: that's some that's some good tv there for everybody right? mate. Um, yeah well i've got onto documentaries i've got six documentaries holy shit yeah, wow i'll fly through a few of these to begin i'm going to start off with one that's on netflix uh over here in the uk of course dick johnson is dead uh and it's directed and um well written by uh kirsten johnson the daughter Of the titular Dick Johnson. Now, Dick is, of course, it's Kirsten's dad. Her mum, Dick's wife, um, died a few years ago. She got Alzheimer's. Um, Anybody that's gone through Alzheimer's knows it's not a great thing to go through. Uh, My granddad had Alzheimer's, and it was just heartbreaking to see him disappear as a person. He's still there, but Mm. you know he doesn't know. Well, in the end, who he is or who I was or anything like that. So Kirsten lost, lost her mum to that. And then her dad starts to show signs of having Alzheimer's himself. So she thought she's, you know, a documentary filmmaker. She thought she would film stuff that happens, but put a humorous slant on it. And she prepares herself for the death of her father. It fucking sounds. Why, why am I going to watch this? It sounds fucking <laughs> grim as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh she prepares herself for making a documentary about him and him dying in all sorts of weird and wonderful ways. Uh, so they get all the special effects team involved and everything. And it's, it is really funny in a lot of places. So they film in and they do like the cartoon. He's walking alongside of a building. And I think it's a washing machine falls on his head. They do <laughs> another one where he gets hit by a car. Uh, and they film it in such a way, like I say, they get stuntmen involved and all of this and special effects. And there's all these... um CG sequences of where he's going up into heaven and this that and the other, but on the backdrop of that, which is lots of laughs and it's funny. And a dad, you know, is such his game for anything, and he's having a great time. He's one of those people. He's got like smiley eyes. You can tell from his eyes, he's a really nice guy,
1: mm. and you
0: can see how much they love each other, uh, and how heartbreaking it was for them both to go through what happened. You know, with with his wife and her mum, and then it's it's happening to him. But he's going, yeah, and he's old friend getting covered in blood, and he's doing this, that, and the other. But against that, because it's filmed over, you know, quite a a long period of time, you see him slowly disappearing and he's forgetting different things and then he has to move he has to retire, he has to move out of his house and he moves to I think New York with her into an apartment there. Um so it's 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 sad, but it's also heartwarming and it's funny and it's one of those where when it finishes it makes you think, I'm gonna make the most of every day, (laughs) you know. uh, Mm. there's things that we all complain about you know lots of days and then you watch something like this and you think oh, I'm pretty bloody lucky really because it's the simple things that mean a lot which we've come to learn over the last 12 months with everything that's been going on but it's it's mm-hmm. one of those yeah you'll laugh a lot and you probably cry a little bit and you'll feel happy and sad when it's finished but sort of reflect a bit on your own life it's good it's a good documentary mate mm.
1: yeah life affirming kind of definitely. one of those yeah definitely yeah. That well, sounds good, hmm.
0: yeah. Uh, also, this one's on Amazon. This is a really good, if you've got any interest at all in independent filmmaking, this is a really, really good one. It's called The Insufferable Grew. That's G-R-O-O. And it's about an independent filmmaker, and he's made hundreds and hundreds of films. Nearly all of them a bit shit, by the looks of them. But <laughs> fair play to him. He gets out, and he does it. And this is a cracking story. He's had this dream. He just wants to make, you know, break it big. And, oh, I don't No, I'm not going to give away a big thing that happens in it. Something really big happens in it. The trouble is now I was torn with this one because the guy himself is a bit of an arsehole. <laughs> and- So you know, really, when you're watching stuff, especially documentaries, you want a a bit of empathy with somebody, a bit of connection with somebody. And then you're watching this and you're thinking, oh, you're a bit of a dick you are, mate. (laughs) But you've got to admire him for what he does. And there is some brilliant stories about independent filmmaking and what happens behind the scenes and what some people have to put up with. And something happens in it where you go and you go, fucking hell well i never thought that would happen Mm. Uh, but it's uh, even if that bit wasn't in it it would still be good but because that bit is in it it just it raises it even more i loved it the insufferable crew it's really Ah, good
1: you often have those moments in um documentaries that you watch don't you so like where where did that come from yeah
0: (laughs) we like those ones don't we yeah of course you know the gold standard abducted in plain sight oh god yeah that's always the gold standard thing that one Uh, another one that's on amazon is horror noir a history of black horror and it takes as it as it says in the title it is a history of black horror film obviously it doesn't cover all of them but it gives a good you know a good look at a lot of them it's one of those um, documentaries where you're watching it and you need like pen and paper or you know your ipad or whatever near you because clips will come up and you'll be going never heard of that one i want to watch that one that <laughs> that one looks interesting uh and i'd seen i had seen a lot of them but there was some that i had never seen before and i wrote a list and thought i need to see that and i need to see that and it was really it was a really interesting look at the history of black horror um and i'm sure people watching it you will discover a lot of, of not only just discover a lot of films you'll discover a, a lot more about. um the history of um of black people in in film and about how they the horror because there was the black exploitation wasn't there of the early 70s as well and they Mm -hmm. talk about that and how that sort of merged in with different horror films and everything because of course there was blackula and you know scream blackula scream and all ones like this and they've got a really good um selection of talking heads and yeah it's just really interesting and we'll give you more stuff to put on your watch list on Letterboxd. Trust me.
1: Mm. Yeah, because it's interesting. I mean, like you know, Night of the Living Dead. You know, the um, the main mm, yeah, protagonist. Talk about that. Yeah. Uh, is a black guy, isn't he? You know, yeah, he's yeah. he's like almost, I suppose, the hero of the movie. Yeah. Um, and you know, you you look at. Um, I mean, like the the dead movies, you know, Dawn of the Dead, you got Ken Forey, and, uh, you know, I'm just looking at the cast list here like, Candyman, Tony Todd, you know, how awesome is he in that? He's brilliant, yeah. Um, so, and, and those movies, particularly Night of the Living Dead, you know, came out around the time of civil rights movements and stuff in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's quite a, you know, a massive ballsy move, isn't it? You know, on the part of George Romero to have somebody, uh, you know, as the, I suppose what he classes the hero yeah. at a time like that, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. And again, it, it addresses things like that. It's, it's a really interesting documentary. It's one of those, it could have, uh, could have been expanded into, you know, like an eight part series. There is so much more to say about it. But it's, you know, as it stands right now, it's well worth a watch.
1: Yeah. Mm. Excellent.
0: Uh, shall I carry on? That's three. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's that's three down, three to go. So on the Disney Channel, there is a documentary called Be Water, which is all about Bruce Lee. Now, there's been countless documentaries about Bruce Lee, and I've seen a lot of them. Um but this one's a little bit different because it's it's got a lot of inputs um from his daughter, which is which is good. Um because you get that personal touch to everything. You get the personal stories that were missing from quite a lot of the other ones. So there were scenes in it I'd never seen. There was a lot I had seen before, but it, it gave me enough stuff that I'd not seen before that I found it really interesting. And and some, you know, home footage and it's Bruce Lee, for fuck's sake. Who doesn't want to watch stuff to do with Bruce Lee? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can just keep watching. it's. Just, I could just, not even just watching him fight, which is incredible. Just listening to him talk. I could just, you know, sit and listen to him talk for, for ages too. Because, you know, he'd got a lot of good stuff to say. And it's it's one of the better bruce lee documentaries out there and like i say there is a lot of them i really enjoyed it and you know i'm sure if there's hardcore bruce lee fans listening that know everything there is uh you probably won't learn anything new from this or maybe you will if you do again let us know but yeah i enjoyed it
1: is that on the new disney uh disney star or is it was it just on disney plus because it's an odd one to have on disney plus isn't it i think it was on yeah i think it was on the new
0: stars bit that's come out onto it
1: oh uh, okay yeah i'll definitely I, mean, I you know bruce lee enter the dragon watch that so many times as a kid and uh so yes i will definitely be checking that it's it's funny it's interesting because um Lucy was watching a Jackie Chan movie. It's one of his later ones, you know, where he doesn't do his own stunts anymore, particularly. And it's like one of his kids' movies that he does. And I said, "Oh, um, I'll have to show you some Jackie Chan stuff, like a show reel on YouTube or something like that of early Jackie Chan, Mm. because he was frigging crazy, you know, with some of the stunts he did and and the martial arts and everything. And I know that um, I think stylistically very different to Bruce Lee, but um, I love martial arts movies from that era you know and anything with bruce lee in it is just is a must watch for sure so oh i didn't know about that that would yeah. be cool
0: yeah it is a good one mate it is a good one uh, sticking sort of with martial arts there is a documentary that's available uh called more than my aggie and as you can guess it's um well it's more than my aggie colon the pat marita story which mm. of course everybody thinks oh quite a kid uh, mr miyagi and of course like the man himself this documentary there's a lot more than mr miyagi um as the title says it's oh mate there was stuff in this that me and tina sat watching it and we never knew about him heartbreaking stuff mm. what a life from as a child and again i don't want to give too much away but the the things he went through as a kid alone was like, Jesus Christ. That's like, what a, what a tough way to start your life. And then the way that his life, well, of course his career and then the way his life ended and his, his, i was going to say his battle with alcohol but he didn't really battle with it he just fucking chucked it all down his neck continuously. <laughs> there was no battle involved whatsoever and how he would turn up pissed on set and really sad story i think it was the 30th anniversary of of happy days and what happened there and how he should have been involved more with that and then didn't due to him drinking so much and he couldn't even get out of bed and Then he did turn up to do some filming and he was so pissed. He was just an embarrassment. And, oh my God, it was, it was, it was a tough watch. Mm. It was a really tough watch. Um, But his third wife is in it a lot. uh, And, you know, talks a lot about him. They show a lot of of home film that they've got of him. And it's a, it's a really, really good documentary, a good look into his life. And, And like, documentaries that grip you and you know we've said these things that that you go oh fucking i wasn't expecting that there was stuff in this like oh well i never knew that the facts that were coming out to us about him that were just a complete shock i was like wow you're looking so differently now um but yeah the, the stuff from his childhood was oh my god and how he just did anything after that is incredible a fi- mm-hmm. a true fighter in um well, not in every sense of the word, because he didn't really do martial arts. <laughs> it, was like, it was, they were, you know, both they were faking it on the sets of um, Karate Kid. But, yeah, yeah, and again, well, you don't, you don't even need to have watched the Karate Kid movies to enjoy this as well. It's a good human story.
1: I think you can see by when we um, Adam and I went back and watched some of the Karate Kid movies for the the Spotlight Show, mm. uh, you can definitely tell that he didn't really know much about. <laughs> or his stuntman uh you know they, they found somebody small enough to sort of like represent him on screen but um no I mean I know a little bit about his life uh because you know having read some books and stuff not about him specifically but there was sections about people that have overcome difficult starts in life and what they achieved and I know you know he was he was in like a full body cast for what was it like seven years or think, he was a long was period longer. of time his childhood was, yeah I
0: think even like nine years off the top of my head
1: yeah. wow and uh he was he was he in an internment camp as well yeah. when he was younger oh yeah um so I know those little bits about him but I didn't know anything about his uh, alcoholism you know mm. and um or you know struggles with alcohol uh so yeah. Oh, that would be cool. I would be good to watch that. I mean, particularly with the resurgence of, you know, popularity of things like Cobra Kai. Yeah. Uh, you know, and seeing him in flashback in those movies, uh, movie in the, you know, those shows, um, they're always, you know, kind of tug at the heartstrings a little bit, you know, and I think, although, you know, we've said before, like, Daniel LaRusso's character is a bit of a knob, um, it, you know, yeah. it, but seeing him ha- reflecting upon his time, and then seeing the early footage of you know the Karate Kid you know one and two whatever where he's talking to Miyagi um in retrospect you know he's just yeah it's it's makes it even more special I think those tv shows so I'll oh, definitely check that one out that's cool
0: yeah oh you'll love it mate you will love it and like I say, anybody listening if even if you've never watched the Karate Kid or you have watched them and didn't like them um it's it's a really good human story so I'm sure I'm sure that you'll enjoy give it a go at least Um, and then finally for documentaries and my definitely this is my documentary recommendation and I'm going to ask you Chris have you ever Mm. heard of Robert Lloyd and the Nightingales a band no
1: no no I haven't no
0: no neither have I neither have I never heard of them whatsoever Uh, and then they're on this documentary and it played some of their music fucking hated it awful what a row (laughs) didn't like it so we got a documentary about Robert Lloyd and the Nightingales, who I'd never heard of. And then when I get to hear their music, don't like it whatsoever. Absolutely fucking loved the documentary about him. It's Stuart Lee, the comedian Stuart Lee. Um, we've seen live; he played Wrexham a good few years ago, and he's he's really good. Really love Stuart Lee, uh, and he's a big Robert Lloyd. And he's from the the both from the Midlands, mate. They the go into Birmingham, so very close to you. Mm. And um so Stuart Lee is a big fan of Robert Lloyd and the Nightingales, and he was in other bands as well. And they talk about his life and growing up in Birmingham. And do you remember a massive? It was only there for six months, and oh no, you wouldn't have done because it was be, oh my god, it before you were born. I think it was the early seventies. It was there a massive King Kong statue was apparently in the middle of Birmingham. Uh, that plays a big part of it as well, mm. and it's. It's the it's the relationship between Stuart Lee and Robert Lloyd that make this. You can see that they're friends, the conversations they have. It's not just talking heads. It's two mates having a good old chinwag, loads of friendly banter, taking the piss out of each other and talking about Robert Lloyd's career, showing clips of him from way back when. Uh, and being on top of the pops and album sales and touring and all the clubs that they played and this, that and the other. It was engrossing, mate. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. It's one of my favourite documentaries that I've watched for quite a while. And then again, when I say it's about somebody who I've never heard of and their music I do not like. (laughs) To love the documentary as much as I did says a lot I think it's because of that relationship between Stuart Lee and Robert Lloyd and the stories that they tell just takes you on this wonderful, magical journey through Birmingham and right across the British Isles as the are touring. And yeah, don't let it put you off that you've never heard of this guy or if you have and you've had a listen and you don't like the music, it's a really, really enjoyable documentary and it'll make you
1: laugh a lot, which is good. Mm, that sounds mm. good it's uh just looking at an article on it now apparently it's on sky arts is it now oh, okay this was we recorded
0: it It was on channel four so that's good that you can access it on sky arts as well
1: yeah so i'll be i'll be checking that yeah. one so like, yeah dave i'm gonna be watching loads of documentaries over the next month
0: <laughs> king rocker <laughs> from 2020 yeah that's my documentary recommendation of this episode
1: fantastic hmm
0: have you any, have you any documentary stuff, mate?
1: Uh, other than the one we're going to talk about for the double dip, no, I don't have any documentaries. Sorry.
0: Well, I will let you kick off the movies, but but before we do, mate, <gasps> before we move on to movies, there is um, yes, it's back. We've got to have a few vegan alerts. Whee! Whee! <laughs> because. <laughs> Oh mate, I've, there's some great ones. I keep saying, "Oh, this could be the last time." People had enough of these. There can't be anything else. It's it's getting quite samey. And it's then the I, gift
1: that keeps on giving. It isn't
0: is. It? it is. It gives so much, mate. So here we go. Vegan alert.
1: Whee! Whee!
0: Actually, I better say the bloody film and everything first, hadn't I? So <laughs> there's a film, right? The film is called Dead Pigs.
1: Oh God, that's gonna have some for sure.
0: <laughs> Bit of a clue in the title, right? Dead pigs. The synopsis. Here you go. A pig farmer, a busboy, a salon owner, an expat architect, and a jaded rich girl cross paths as thousands of dead pigs float down the Yangtze River towards Shanghai.
1: Okay. That's
0: the synopsis, and it's called Dead Pigs. Do we really need a vegan alert that says there were a ton of dead pigs in this film do do, do we need it after the title of the film and that synopsis i think that's the most redundant one yet that you don't need it mate do you Mm. Not really. <laughs> you think you know you, what you, you know what you're gonna get when it's called dead pigs in a synopsis like that? If you're a vegan, just avoid it. Just just avoid it completely. So here's mm. another. Here's another one. Um, okay, let me get this one. This is uh, Billie Eilish. The world's a little blurry. Documentary, mate. A documentary. So, <clears throat> vegan alert. Whee! Whee! Even though Billie Eilish is vegan. The documentary doesn't mention it, oh wow, <laughs> which reminded me what's how does that old joke go? Is it something like how do you know there's a vegan, something or other? You'll soon know because they'll tell you there's that one isn't it it's if there's are we at the point now if there's a vegan in a film, we have to point out that they're a vegan, so by that mm. argument, we'd have to point out every carnivore in a film,
1: yeah. It, it's a bit crazy, isn't
0: it? it is a bit crazy it is a bit crazy it is having to point out when there is a vegan ah.
1: <laughs> just in case you give them a scotch egg or something <laughs> yes. so uh i went i oh, well just for a, a, to do something different many many years ago uh i decided to go vegetarian this is when i was probably in my late teens early 20s and um, you know, and I didn't I didn't eat meat. I wasn't vegan because I didn't know what a vegan was back then because I don't mm. think they existed, uh, you know, because it's a very modern thing. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, yeah, I didn't eat meat. Um, I ate vegetables, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But without, you know, unwittingly, uh, I went to um, the bakery one day and um, I got a Scotch egg. And because I didn't know that the sort of like the, the shell part of the Scotch egg was made out of meat. <laughs> So you know, um and then I remember. Now, I can remember it now. When this is "Oh, going back to oh, twenty odd years ago, that uh, I hadn't had a bacon sandwich or a sausage sandwich, you know, for uh, over a year, I think it was." Yeah. And I, I just I was on the bus going into work, and I, I thought, you know, what? Fuck it! And I went into uh, a shop, and I got a bacon sandwich, and it was oh. the most amazing bacon sandwich I've ever had. So sorry like, to all the vegans out there. You know, I've got it. to
0: ask now, though, because everybody's going to want to know. Was it uh, ketchup or
1: brown sauce? Oh, it's ketchup. Oh no. Yeah, see I have this thing with um with bacon sandwiches on their own, I always have red sauce. But if I have a bacon and egg sandwich, then it's brown sauce. Oh okay. So, yeah. Whereas with Kay's the opposite. If she has just a bacon sandwich, it's brown sauce. If I have a thing, if I have a sausage sandwich, then that's red sauce. <laughs> so But if I have a bacon, egg, sausage and tomato sandwich, then it's brown sauce. Oh,
0: my God.
1: (laughs) So, you know, it it, it depends on the the type of sandwich it is. So, yeah. That's that's complicated, mate. See,
0: I just chuck brown sauce on anything like that. that, Yeah. Yeah. Mine's a lot easier. Yeah, just put brown sauce on it. It's fine. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Right. Deep fried fingers. So I need to... (laughs) I need to read the synopsis for this as well. Uh, a bear gruesomely hangs a human upside down to kill him for meat. Mm.
1: You know? Yeah.
0: Then various animals congregate at a restaurant to justify the need to kill and eat humans. It was interesting and provided a point without being preachy. Vegans often find themselves in situations like this, so hopefully the point will shine through. So. We know that, you know, humans are hanging upside down and animals are eating them at a restaurant. This one has a vegan point. There'll have to be accommodation for my pussy. I love love that that one. I love that one. Yeah, it's... um, I'm going to say it again because I want to hear it. The vegan point...
1: There'll have to be accommodation
0: for my pussy. ...is the cow orders a salad. (laughs) what i thought i thought surely a better point would be that the cow would also eat a human
1: i'm confused is this an animation or is this what kind of film is this i don't know
0: because there's no poster for it on letterboxd so there isn't i don't know
1: and well she liked it because you gave it five stars yeah so either way
0: but disappointing that the cow ordered a salad (laughs) Okay. Okay. Mm. Now then, final one. Borat, subsequent movie film. There is a vegan alert. Deer head on wall. Fair enough. Warning vegans, there's deer head on the wall. Now then, this one has something I'd never seen before. And it's uh, the reason why there is a new sound drop now premiering. Because this one has a... (gasps) Trigger warning.
1: Yeah, Dave, you can sit here. I'm going. <laughs> Nobody's going to get that outside of the UK. Do you want to explain <laughs> who that is, mate? Oh God! So that's from a uh, a comedy show called Only Fools and Horses. There's a character in it called Trigger, who uh, basically called um, the character whose real name was Rodney uh, called him Dave inexplicably, uh, and it was just well, he was a bit thick, really, wasn't he? I yeah. think that, so. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so isn't it i mean for me if somebody's been triggered by something it means that it, it's getting you worked up isn't it that's the way i've always thought of it if you're triggered yeah. by something you are been worked up by it aren't you
1: yeah there's something that there's well <laughs> it's the words the, the clue isn't it you know that has, has triggered you into a rage or upset you um you know and that may not trigger somebody else but it's it's touched to nerve that's another way of putting yeah. it oh yeah that's good touch a to nerve so Borat subsequent movie film.
0: Trigger warning. Yeah, Dave, you can sit here. I'm going. <laughs> Rudy Giuliani's erection. Oh, okay. What? That's it. What? Rudy <laughs> Giuliani's erection. Tri- okay. Triggered her for for
1: what? For why is why is that a trigger warning? Yeah, Dave, you can sit here. I'm going. <laughs> did she feel, we're well, going back to the uh, earlier TV show Uncle that you are talking about Did she decide to have a wank as a result or <laughs> did she flick herself off? Um, or did it make her sick or angry? I'd love to know I would love to know mate I would love to know But
0: if nothing else it gives us a new sound drop for this show <laughs> So did
1: Giuliani's yeah, erection Yeah wow. I'm
0: waiting to see if she's triggered by anything else now it's, it's, oh my god! Yeah, it's one to watch out for.
1: Okay, mm. well there you go. Awesome. Well, um, I, I'm, I'm. I, I really want to know. I'm just looking. How many followers has she got? Has she got like a million followers or something ridiculous? Know, it's, it's a lot, isn't it? It is. That its a lot. Uh, <laughs> wow, she's logged twenty thousand five hundred fifty-one films. Oh, you go. She's got twenty-three thousand five hundred eighty-seven followers. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh no! Sorry, that's how many she's following. Bloody hell! Um, but then she's got twenty-one thousand four hundred and sixty-seven followers on Letterboxd <laughs> How many have I got? <laughs> <of> Ten. <laughs> <laughs> but then I don't. Oh, I don't like. I, hopefully, I don't. I don't write sh- stupid shit like that on my profile. So, no, you know?
0: Maybe you should come up with your own alerts, mate, and and then you know we'll take it from there.
1: I'd have to put a trigger alert.
0: Yeah, Dave, you can sit here. I'm going.
1: <laughs> I was waiting to see if you got the Your fingers hovering <laughs> oh, over the button.
0: Oh, I'm like a bloody
1: pianist, mate, just waiting, hovering over. Um, yeah, so so um, just it's things that make me angry. So I'm going to have to put that in. Oh, actually, oh, I've got 18 followers. There you go. Ooh. And I'm only following thirteen, so that means I've got extra. Look at me! <laughs>
0: Look at you, you bloody letterbox celebrity! You.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. With my, um, are you are you a letterboxed influencer now? With my, is that is that such a thing? I don't know. Maybe maybe there is. Maybe you could be the first one.
1: Oh, yeah. a letterboxed influence suppose, well that's the whole point of letterboxed isn't it I guess you, you you know you watch a film and then you write a little piece about it or you log you know what star rating you get it so and then as a result you might influence somebody to watch it so I guess yeah yeah, yeah that's true yeah so I suppose in some yeah you are an influencer except we don't get sent free shit for, <laughs> for it like YouTubers do and yeah. whatever oh There you go. Mm, Very
0: good. Right then. Now we can move on to movies. I'll hand it over to you, mate.
1: Okey-doke. So uh, where shall I start? So um, I don't want to talk about it in any great detail because it wasn't very good but it just kind of leads on to another conversation but one of the films that i watched was uh birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one harley quinn um which is a stupid fucking title if i have to say um which kind of sums up the film if i'm being perfectly honest with you yeah. um so i think we've said it before that we switched off suicide squad didn't we yes. um yeah. not, that, not that we watched it together but <laughs> I uh, I just, it was one of those films, you know, it got a lot going for it in as much as the cast was good, you know, got a decent director on board. Um, it's about, you know, superheroes or, you know, super villains, if you like, all coming together. And So, you know, what could go wrong? But it was just the shittest film I think I'd watched in a long time, so I just turned it off. And apparently Harley Quinn was one of the better characters. I mean, the Joker in it, Jared Leto, was shite as well, um, let's be honest. Yeah. So... I just yeah couldn't be asked, but um, this was a premiere on Sky a few weeks ago and uh, I was was a bit of a loose end on a Friday night and so I thought well I'll watch it and uh, it's one of those where it tries so hard to be like Deadpool Um, and you know there's a lot of sort of talking at the camera and you know comedy and uh, you know um adult language you know swearing and just it's, it's trying to you know violence but it just feels it falls flat and it just feels like i said it, it just trying too hard to be like deadpool mm-hmm. um and it as much as margot robbie does throw herself into the role you know and uh, she, she if you want to say it, she's perfect for the parts you know she clearly enjoys playing that character but the one of the things that I found a little bit about Suicide Squad with her character was as I suppose to look at, you think, yeah, you looked the part and I I don't really know a great deal about Harley Quinn other than I know she's in Batman, um, but you know, she's never featured in any of the previous films as such. So this is the, the only thing I've got to base it on, but, it's, I found it quite irritating and quite annoying. And, um, I don't know if it's just the way she speaks or if, like I said, she tries too hard to be funny, uh, or if that's just the way the character is, but I, it, I think your enjoyment of the film is going to fall whether or not you like that character, and I just found it very, very irritating. Mm. And because the the story is is that um, the joker's is out of the picture now, so she becomes a target for everyone in the city in Gotham City or wherever it is. Uh, to they want to kill her, so she has to go off and do a job. And the bad guy in it is played by um, Ewan McGregor, who has you know quite a bit of fun in the role. But it just didn't do anything for me. Like I said, if anything, it made me want to watch Deadpool again. But then that leads me on to the second part of this, in as much as that. There's been a lot of talk recently about Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League. Have you been following this Yes, all? yeah, the, the
0: Snyder Cut.
1: Yes. Mm. So this is going to be premier premiering... Premi- oh, fuck me. Premiere... <laughs> save me dave it's gonna be Help showing me. for the first time <laughs> i like it yeah so he's gonna be showing for the first time on uh, sky next week i believe ah, um okay. where it's gonna be get it, yeah because you think it's obviously there's nothing on at the cinemas in the minute because they're not open not in this country anyway um so it's gonna be hbo max i think um but it's showing on sky which i was quite surprised about because um, Sky Movies, they do tend to show films, but it's still at least a year before they, you know, they, they, what they've after their release, you know, when they've yeah. been out on cinema or whatever. Um, so it's one of those where I mean, I've watched the Justice League movie and thought it. So I'd heard it was crap, and it is crap. But it maybe because I thought or heard it was crap, it didn't seem as crap as it actually was. Um, but it's still crap. And you can tell I think it's crap. Um, it's, but the thing I've got about this Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League, because the story was, is that he was directing it originally. He had a personal tragedy, um, you know, in his, with his family. So then Joss Whedon, who is uh, coming out a lot at the minute as one of the world's biggest arseholes, mm. it appears, and... Um, And, you know, he then took over. So you could, I don't know if there was half a film there. There was stuff that was filmed. And clearly there was a lot of stuff that was filmed that Zack Snyder filmed because this new version, this new cut is four fucking hours. It's four hours long. I don't know if, did you know that, Dave? I didn't know. This new cut, it is four hours long. And now let's just talk a little bit about Zack Snyder. I mean, his early stuff, his first feature film, Dawn of the Dead, I think we both agreed we both really liked, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, You know, it's... It, it it was it felt fresh we were both worried about it because mm-hmm. we loved the original movie yeah. but it felt it was fresh it was exciting it didn't hang around i don't think it's i don't even think it's um two hours long that film but it was it was a different take it wasn't quite zombies because they were running zombies they were come like infected but it was funny you know it had the core theme of the original movie but then it added it had added its own spin on it so it wasn't just a, a um a, a copy a carbon copy i yeah. don't think you could do a carbon copy of the original dawn of the dead these days oh no definitely not um, so you must you had to put something original in it you felt fresh you felt exciting and frenetic you know the the way the camera moved and everything um so really really like that and then 300 which you know is enjoyable fluff isn't it i think it's it's been a while since I've watched that movie, mm-hmm. but I watched it at the cinema, and it was around the time when, you know, um, you, you got the, the things like Sin City were doing well, and, uh, you know, the, the, what was, um, like, Frank Miller and Alan Moore. A lot of their movies were being made at the time, weren't they? You know, you got, like, V for Vendetta and Watchmen. Yeah. So 300, I mean, I've got the, the, the comic of that. You know, there's no dialogue in it whatsoever, which I think suits... Zack Snyder because it's it, it, it's very visual which is fine because he's a very visual director and there's nothing I've got I've got a problem with that as such but then as he starts to get more popular and you know more um his films start to do you know well and he's becoming more well known and renowned I don't know if he it's like the Michael Bay sort of effect you know he, a lot of his earlier films. Uh, quite feel fresh and exciting like The Rock with uh, Michael Mm -hmm. Bay in particular and then he just seems to go up his own arse a little bit particularly like with um with Zack Snyder because then after that you got Watchmen now I love Watchmen the graphic novel I I love it I've became quite obsessed with with it for a period of time and Alan Moore in general and just read that you know, and reread it and reread read it. And like I said, I think there's, there's scenes in that graphic novel, I hate to say that word, but, you know, comic, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it's more than a comic, but, yeah. you know, essentially it's a comic, um, that are just really, really powerful and stuff I'd never read before, you know, because people think comics, you know, they're just for kids and all that kind of stuff, but there's stuff in there where the, 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 all of the heroes are flawed. And I think with Watchmen in particular, it did help to... provide a blueprint for things like the boys. You know what I mean? What if there were heroes in modern day, but they were flawed and they were arseholes and they were murderers and killers and, you know, things like that and, and had no conscience about killing criminals. And so the, the comic itself, I think is quite important, you know, but then the, there's, there's a, a we we always reference him, don't we? Like Mark Kermode, and I think his point with this, with the film anyway, because which is I think pushing three hours. I think the the director's cut of it is over three hours long, is that it's fine to sort of be a massive fan of something, but it's almost like it was a carbon copy or it tried to be a carbon copy. Now there's some stuff in Watchmen which I like, you know, like the intro sequence. I think he's really well done, um, but then it it also felt really. And ponderous in places, and boring, and it just—I don't know—it just sort take it. It took away a little bit from the the comic. I don't know if, uh, what you think of it. I—I've uh, never met anybody that says they love Watchmen. Mm. The, the i have mean, heard the TV series is really good, by the way, which I haven't watched. But uh, what did you think of Watchmen? You're probably going to tell me you love it now. <laughs>
0: I'd got no idea about Watchmen before. I'd never read the graphic novel or anything. So I watched the film completely cold. Didn't know a thing about it and wasn't a fan. Uh, I found it quite a bit boring, to be honest with you. Now, mm. Tina had read the graphic novel uh, and she enjoyed the film so much so that we've got, I don't know if it's the 4K version or the Blu-ray, but it's some super duper version of, of it that we haven't watched yet and mostly because i keep going "Mm, i don't know if i want to watch that again because i didn't really like it but i i I, at the point now where i will give it another watch uh and and see what it's like and go into it with you know fresh eyes and my expectations lowered somewhat and maybe i'll enjoy it more like you said but you know if you go into something and your expectations have already been lowered. Sometimes you enjoy something that bit more because you're thinking, "Oh, it's going to be shit, it's going to be shit," and then you go, "Ah, it's not that bad actually." Mm. So it might work with that when I rewatch Watchmen.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm always talking myself into watching it again, you know, just to sort of because it's been a few years since uh, I mean, 2009 since that. Jesus, how? But uh, then they released the Super Duper Blu-ray edition at the time, which then had the separate animated. section in it which has got gerard butler and that's like in the the comic it's it's like the there's um the scenes where there's a guy reading a comic so it's like almost becomes a comic within a comic if you know what i mean so that's it's quite clever i guess in that respect so then they added that which is interspersed into the movie which i'll be honest with you, i got i bought it because i was such a massive fan of it and all that but at the time you know and and I just, I was just, I wanted to do it for completionist's sake, but I've never actually watched it because I just can't be asked. <laughs> um, but anyway, after that, you got Sucker Punch, which is one of the worst films I've ever seen. I mean, I, do you remember that one at all? Oh, that's that another was- one. Turn,
0: we, we both turned it off. We were sat here. We got partway through it. I don't even think we made it halfway through and it was like, oh, we looked at each other, turned it off
1: it's shocking. It's, it's a crap. It's such a crap film. Mm. Uh, it's like a, it's a video game. Um, it's a, it's, it's a, uh, lots of cutscenes uh, from a video game put together. But anyway, then you got man of steel. Now uh, there are sections of man of steel that I really like, particularly mm. the stuff with Kevin Costner. Yeah. And I think I, I, I have to say, I think I attribute a lot of that to Christopher Nolan's involvement because he was involved at some level, whether he was a producer or not on the, the movie. So I, I, I can't give Zack Snyder the the credit for that if I'm honest. I think I'll give him credit for the the sort of like flashy, smashy, crashy, bangy stuff at the end, but I can't give him any kind of credit for the the character development or character stuff with, you know, um Kevin Costner. I I just I can't bring myself to do it. Batman vs. Superman was boring as fuck. Um, I remember going to the midnight premiere of that because, again, I was quite excited. Um, So it started at midnight, and I got home at, like, three in the morning uh, because that film's (laughs) two and a half hours fucking long. Um, And there's an extended cut, apparently, you know, uh, which they did. And then Justice League, which we've talked about, and, you know, obviously then he hasn't done much since then. So this is his, I suppose, first... You know, foray back into directing, I guess, after everything that he's been through, which is awful, I have to say. You know, so although I'm having a go at him, what he he his family have been through is just unimaginable, really. Um, you know, so the thing is, though, with Justice League, and I, did you watch Justice League? Have you seen it at all? Yeah, quite got a bit bored by. It. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of those. Now, obviously they've tried to do what Marvel did, which is, um have all of, you know, create these characters or not create the characters, but have create these films around the characters, do it, you know, and then bring them all together, you know, whereas with Marvel, rightly or wrongly, they did it. So they had the individual movies, then they had the team movies, then there's some more individual movies, then there's some team movies. And I, I watched um the past couple of weekends, uh, Infinity War and Endgame. And I know that you're not a massive fan of those, but if you think of them, as a whole, you know, for the, the 11 years or whatever it was that they made Marvel movies from Iron Man to uh, Endgame, they're an incredible achievement, what they did and how it all started and how it all came oh, yeah, together yeah. and how it ended. just an amazing, incredible achievement of, you know, um, all the, the, the people that made those movies. It's just, there's a few crappy ones which I'm not fans of, but compare them to the sort of, you know, the DC stuff that they've done. They are head and shoulders above anything, you know, That f- from my point of view. You know, since Nolan stepped away from doing Batman, um, I can't think of any DC stuff that I've enjoyed at all, really. I mean, Wonder Woman was okay. Um, not seen the sequel, but I've heard very mixed things mm-hmm. about that. Have you watched that one yet?
0: Yeah. Again, me and Tina didn't like it. I think I give it two stars on Letterboxd for the latest Wonder Woman. <laughs> Again, yeah. We, we were just bored with it, and it was... It was seen it all before there was nothing fresh about it it was it was again it was candy floss for the eyes
1: yeah and i think i'm mean, more intrigued about that cuz it's set in the 80s but you know um so to <laughs> what I can't get my head around and what I can't understand is to us. And again, it's one of those, am I going to put myself what, I mean, yeah, I don't have to watch it all in one go, but I like to watch films in one go because that's how you watch a film generally, isn't it? So, but to put, can I be asked to put myself through watching a four hour film, (laughs) uh, you know, um, When I already know that the first, the film that, you know, the original, shall we say is crap. Mm -hmm. Now, how much different can, or how clearly there's twice as much footage that he's added to already two hour film to make it any better. Or is it just going to be a case of you've made a crap film, either slightly less crap or even more crap. (laughs) You've made a shorter film, into a longer piece of crap. You know, it's like, I suppose, having a little shit um, <laughs> that just kind of like flips or plops out your bo- bum. And now it's turned into a massive log <laughs> that has blocked the toilet. Yeah, but and- either way,
0: with either of those, they're both enjoyable though, aren't they? You know, no matter what, it's it's always an enjoyable experience having a poo.
1: I think I'd rather have a four-hour shit, to be <laughs> honest with you. Um, it's just, you know... It is the typical car crash thing, isn't it, about you don't want to look, but you kind of almost want to. Now, I haven't seen The Irishman with um, Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, Martin Scorsese, um, you know, which I've heard is really... Have you watched that?
0: Yeah. And and, again, neither of us were impressed with it and got bored. It was like, how long still to go?
1: Yeah. Well, that's it, isn't it? I think because it's a three and a half hour film, is it? Something like that? Something like that, yeah. You know, it puts a lot of people off. And that's the thing about TV, you know, things like The Queen's Gambit. You know, that to me isn't a TV show because although it's, I think it's, is it eight parts or is it eight, you know, is it eight episodes? Let's say
0: there's
1: eight. Yeah. Let's say there's eight episodes for argument's sake. But to me, that's an eight hour movie, Mm -hmm. you know. But I, if I looked at it as an eight-hour movie, I wouldn't want to watch it because who <laughs> wants to watch an eight-hour movie? Yeah. You know, that, that's your day gone, isn't it? Yeah. But if you if you, if you put it as an eight-part TV show, that is really a movie. When you, you drill it down, it is actually a, a film, isn't it, really? Yeah. Or it feels like it, at least. So with this Justice League, I mean... Uh, would it have been better to have made, like, a, a, a two-part or a, a three-part thing, you know, where it's, like, almost like a, a TV show type thing? I don't know. I mean, I personally think it probably would have done. Mm. But I, I don't know. I, I genuinely... Um, I can't get my head around that the, <laughs> it's going to be any good, but it's almost like I want to watch it just to see what it's like. But then it, I can I think... <laughs> making a 4 hour film is just i can't i can't quite understand it I, can you explain it to me dave how how have is it, Having how a, a four-hour film is a good thing. I just, it's, it's the long, I mean, the, yes, you, we've talked about The Lord of the Rings last time, didn't we, you know, and the extended cuts. Mm. They do push it, you know, into three hours, three and a half hours. I think maybe even the, the, the Return of the King, you know, does push four hours. But that was the extended version, you know. You can argue this is an extended version, but The, the Lord of the Rings films are multi- award winning oscar fi- winning films and again i don't look at those as individual films i kind of look at them as a, a whole a 9 hour film if you know what i mean but it's split mm. into three parts yeah so i can't I, it's it's hurt my head today <laughs> thinking about that <laughs> It does, I, you know, and that makes me sound a bit pretentious, but it just, it's just, I, I just genuinely can't figure this out and I can't get my head around how having a four hour film is a good thing, uh, particularly when it was based on something that was not great in the first place. That's now, I thing, could be completely yeah. wrong. And if it turns it around and if it turns out to be like, you know, actually, you know, Josh Whedon didn't do a very good job and, um, Zack Snyder's true vision of the film is is amazing. And it turns out to be amazing. I will eat my hat. Mm. I will eat a hat. But if <laughs> I, I can, you know, um, that's a very slim hope. If it turns out that it's just, like I said, to made a shorter film, longer, but still shit, then what was the fucking point? Yeah,
0: that is, <laughs> you know? That's pushing it way too much. We watched the extended cut of Gladiator the other night. Uh, yeah we picked it up in a sale on 4k and that's three and a quarter hours or something like that and that went by in a flash i mean that again that's a really good fucking film to begin with mm. so watching the extended cut of that it's no real hardship but i think then even with a good film when you start getting into the you know if it's four hours that you're really stretching it then, aren't you? Especially, imagine at the cinema. you know. I oh, imagine how, how annoying would it be the amount of people that would be up and down and going for a piss all the time and then people getting bored and turning the phones on and all of this. It's one that you'd need to watch at home and you could pause it and maybe even go, you know what, I'll watch the next two hours tomorrow. <laughs> because one, let's say, one four-hour sitting mate of anything is is a bit much but i've you know i've watched two two hour films back to back that's four hours and I sat there and watched them but yeah but they but they were good films so yeah
1: yeah so that was i mean the only time i've done it is i've watched a double bill of um sin city mm. And uh, the the sequel, A Dame to Kill For, and and but they did have a little break in between, and so yeah, Sin City is two hours four minutes uh, long, so I'm just looking at uh, A Dame to Kill For at see how long that one uh, lasts for. Bear with me. Um, that's an hour and forty two, so it's pushing four hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I mean Ben Hur's three hours forty four minutes long. <laughs> you know um and so i i, I can't sorry it's broken me <laughs> i can tell i can tell <laughs> I kind of almost lost for words with it all but then I'm obviously have <laughs> i kind of said quite a lot T- the 10 commandments is 3 hours 40 minutes you know what
0: i can i can see is sat here in a couple of months recording the uh, march april show and you're sat going, fucking hell, mate. Right, I only want to talk about one film. It's the Snyder Cut of Justice League. It's fucking amazing. You,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, oh well, mind you, look at this. I've never seen it, but I probably wouldn't ever see it because it's five hours and 20 minutes long. Uh, Cleopatra with um, Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. <laughs> That's five hours, 20 minutes. Fuck me. Make a shorter film, for Christ's sake. I mean... <laughs> That's the thing, I mean, like, one of the things that I love doing about the Spotlight Reflection shows is is that the vast majority of films that we watch, they're an hour and a half long, yeah, and they do as much, uh, you know, make, it's just as entertaining as some of the longer films, if not more, Mm. you know, because they just get down to the point, you know. It just gets on with it, and it's great. Like, we watched The Blob recently. Never seen The Blob, um, the um, remake and spoiler alert you know because people who haven't heard the, the if you like the actual longer show where Adam and I talk about it I really really enjoyed it it's such a, a really fun you know film the mm. special effects in it are awesome um and I love your story I did, I did kind of paraphrase it a little bit about when you worked in a video shop and you got an amazing poster of it mm. um but it's just yeah it, it, that's an hour and a half long <laughs> You know? um, but anyway, that's my little rants about fucking a Snyder Cut. <laughs> Sorry.
0: I can tell. I can tell it got to you, mate. I can. It triggered me. It did. Oh, my God. Yeah, hey, oh, Dave, Ooh. you can sit here. I'm going. <laughs> <That's
1: it>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Anyway,
0: um, I've got four films. I've got four.
1: So shall I jump in with a couple? Yes, because I've I've ranted most of... I mean, I haven't even really talked about any films, have I? Nothing good anyway. But uh, no, I've got three disaster films in particular... Oh, nice. ...that I want to talk about. All
0: right. Um, I'll give my first two then. Uh, So the first one is a film... It's on Netflix. It's called I Care A Lot, and it stars Rosamund Pike in it. And that's why we watched it. Tina loves Rosamund Pike. Mm. I I knew nothing about the film. And, you know, she said, oh, you know, we said, well, what are we going to watch tonight? And uh, it was that one night of the year when Tina gets to choose what film to watch. So she said uh, she gets to choose more than that, obviously, two a year sometimes. So <laughs> uh, uh, she said, oh, I've got this one. I care a lot. Rosamund Pike in it. Who, Like I said, I know that she likes Um Again, I went into it knowing nothing about it and it's Rosamund Pike plays um, a character called Maria, who is she's a legal guardian and she's somebody who swoops in and takes care of the finances and property of uh, of people, normally older people who, uh, you know, lost the faculties, not quite capable of taking care of themselves for whatever reason and um she becomes their legal guardian that you know the the, by the state brings her in and she goes okay so i'll take care of all your legal stuff and your house and this that and the other but she's not very nice she's very crooked she targets these older people who have got um, you know no no siblings they've got no no kids no brothers no sisters no no family anywhere and she targets them and takes over for them and makes a shitload of money from themselves the house behind the back and siphons all the money off and chucks them into a home and the first half hour of it when she's doing this and you're watching her you've seen this woman all the faculty she's fine but she's she's got no family whatsoever And because Maria, Rosamund's Pike character, is so good at her job, she gets this woman from a house and through the legal system, ends up, gets this woman into an old folks care home, and she's got complete control of her life now. That, the first half hour, is one of the most frightening things I've ever seen on film. It is Mm. chilling because you think, fuck, that could happen. (laughs) Imagine you put yourself in the situation of this poor old woman that's, you know, she's got a lovely house and she's fine. And the next thing, she is quite literally a prisoner in this in this care home. A phone's taken away from her. She can't leave the place. She's lost everything, just like through no fault of her own. And you're thinking, oh, my God, this is horrific. <laughs> it's absolutely horrific. Uh, unbeknownst, though, to Maria, the old woman uh, who she has ousted from a house and put into this care home, one of many that she's done that to, her, uh, her son... Uh, played by peter dinklage i think this is the real reason why tina wanted to watch oh it. yes peter yeah. i should have known once again when we sat down to watch it and tina put a towel down on the couch first <laughs> that it was going to be peter dinklage i should know if it's two towels it's mads mickelson if it's one towel it's a peter dinklage film um, and he's, re- he's really good in it. He's really good in everything, though, isn't he? And he's, mm. this, he's this evil sort of mob boss. And he he finds out, of course, that his mum has been thrown into this care home. And he finds out, of course, that Maria is responsible. And, of course, he's not very happy about it and wants revenge, uh, which he does. And then it becomes a battle of wits between Maria and Peter Dinklage's um, character, Roman. And it's it's really good. It's got laughs in it, and like I said, that first half hour is absolutely chilling. I wish, I wish it had kept that really dark tone all the way through. It unfortunately, for both of us, it sort of untangles a bit as it goes on. It becomes a bit, a bit, a little bit too saccharine. We wish somebody like uh, we've watched a lot of Norwegian films recently. And mm. they're, they're, you know, they're dark and, and really gritty. And of course, this is made in the Hollywood system. And as I've been bemoaned a few times with the Hollywood system, just gets a bit too, ooh, you know, a little bit too much saccharine in there, a little bit too sweet and needs to go a little bit darker. Where independent filmmakers worldwide, you know, will go places where Hollywood doesn't want to go because they want to make a shit ton of money. So I wish it had gone more darker than it does and you know it would have been a norwegian film but even with the, the hollywood gloss to it the way that it goes it's still it's still good and it's through the performances of rosamund pike uh, especially peter dinglish uh, dinglish jesus peter dinglage <laughs> uh he's 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 great and uh yeah it's it's good it's not quite great which i thought it might be the way that it begins but it's still good and worth watching, and makes you think about oh fuck this this could happen <laughs> if, if uh, you know there's people out there that, that as we know do try to take advantage of people unfortunately and are bastards. Mm, and there's, and there's no absolutely,
1: like um, I've seen that advertised. No, I'm, I'm and I'm definitely going to watch it as a result. It sounds it does sound very intriguing. Mm, yeah,
0: yeah, it is. It is. It's good. Uh, on the flip side to that, this one—if anybody listening also listens to the Decade of Decadence shows with me and Tom—you'll know the type of shit that we like from the '80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got to—I've uh, got to talk about one. I wish that I'd, I'd pick this as my first time watch um, with Tom, but I was sat there bored one day. It was one afternoon, and just flicking through Amazon. Cause it's on Amazon. Oh, And watch this. It's from 1985, Wheels of Fire. It's only 81 minutes long. It is fucking ridiculous. It's, it's one of those post-apocalyptic future ones. Mad Max rip-off with gratuitous nudity, stupid violence, loads of gunplay. Um, it's very, very silly but so enjoyable. It's one of those, again, that if if you're not into these types of films, you're not going to like this. You'll think it's cheap shit. <laughs> you really will. You'll go, oh my God, you'll watch 10 minutes. You probably won't even last 10 minutes of it. But again, if you like the kind of stuff me and Tom talk about on the Decade of Decadent Shows and ridiculous low-budget Mad Max rip-off films from the 80s, wheels of fire how this has passed me by for so long i don't know and i had a great time with it so yeah
1: i'm just looking at some pictures of it
0: now it looks amazing it's it's really it's fun it's i mean again it's probably best watched with mates late at night few beers i watched it by myself in an afternoon with a cup of coffee and i had a great time with it which
1: i think says a lot uh, and the, po- the posters, the DVD covers are amazing as well. Like, mm. you know, you you would have taken a trip to the video shop when you were oh, a kid. or God, yeah. You, you'd have picked this up in a heartbeat, wouldn't it, you?
0: Easily, mate. Easily.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's, it reminds me of um, the first, when I started to get into a little bit into reading when I was a kid, it was the Choose Your Own Adventures of uh, Ian Livingston and Steve Jackson. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, it was those books that got me into reading because they weren't like traditional books, you know. You'd, you know, if your hero goes left, turn to page 10. Yeah. You know, if your hero goes right, turn to page 20, you know. So there was that element of chance to, to them as well. So, but the first book I ever picked up was called Freeway Fighter and that was like a mad max post apocalyptic st- sort of tale you know uh, about that and, but you were the hero in the story you know but the cover of it was amazing because it had this car that was armored a bit like the ones in this on the cover of this this dvd uh, yeah. you know um so yeah i love stuff like that it does look awesome <laughs> it and it's definitely it's clearly a rip off of mad max oh it is it is yeah even the tagline says, one last hero. Well, I mean, like Mad Max 3, wasn't it? You know, um, we don't need another hero yeah. or whatever.
0: So, Yeah. 81 minutes as well flies by. It's a good one. brilliant. Mm-hmm.
1: Go on, mate. I'll hand it over to you. Ooh, let me click on Letterboxd. Where are we? Ooh. So um, just very briefly mention these. These are animated films. We've obviously watched a lot of stuff with the kids, but yeah. I know I think you're a fan of these, but the, we watched The Croods. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen the second one yet, though ah uh, yeah and so then the, the crude's uh, 2 or the crude's a new age as it's called yeah. um so these are uh, about like cavemen you know but the and it's, it's nicholas cage uh nicholas cage is good fun as always you know and uh, he's the dad of the family and um it's just you know it's about i suppose the moral of the tale <laughs> is about <laughs> You have to let go at some point of your kids, you know, you have to let go of them and you can't protect them forever. And they've got to make their own way and they've got to, you know, take risks and live life. That's kind of what it is. But it's wrapped up in this really funny, engaging, really well made, really well animated um, story, you know, about these these family of cave people and uh you know how they meet uh ryan reynolds's character who's an outsider and but he's not your typical caveman he's like got a, you know he, he, he can harness fire you know he can mm-hmm. he can uh, light fires and stuff like that so they're you know and he, he uh the daughter of Nicolas cage um uh, the actress who voices her escapes me uh she's very famous i think she's doing the cruella movie what's her name
0: Oh, I saw the I saw the trailer for that the other day, and
1: fuck! <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know who you mean. It's, it's anyway, not, it's not it's not. I've got Emma Stone in my head.
1: Emma Stone, there yes, that's it. Yes, um, so you know it, it's it's really well voiced, and it's but it's one of those films that I think that people will watch. Or people will see and they'll think, oh, it's just Ice ice Age. Or because it's not Disney Pixar, they'll just sort of think, oh, I'm not going to bother watching it. But it's in fact, it's really good and it's really heartwarming. And there's bits in it where, you know, Kay and I were getting quite emotional in it, you know, Mm -hmm. because of the family connections and everything. But yeah, The Crudes and New Age was really good as well. Really enjoyed that. It was really funny. And um, the kids loved it as well. So. Highly recommend those. And as I said, it's got a really good voice cast in it. You know, yeah. like I said, Nicholas Cage, Emma Stone, Ryan Reynolds, Catherine Keener, the the recently departed Cloris Leachman, uh, who plays the grand Peter Dinklage. Uh, he's in the uh, the second one. So, yeah, just very good films. And I'd recommend people just give them a try because I don't know how popular they are. I think that obviously it's, it's got a sequel. I'd imagine it's relatively popular, but... Uh, you know it, people may just sort of dismiss them because it's not a pixar movie and you know as good as disney pixar movies are there are other, there are other things out there you know so yeah um can i do a, a couple of disaster films yeah yeah go for it mate so again based upon your recommendation we watched the wave Ooh, um the norwegian film yes which is very very tense mm. uh really really good stuff really enjoyable um i suppose a disaster movie on a smaller scale in as much as it's not the world that's being destroyed uh just a small town um you know which you know oh it's just a small town it's fine um <laughs> fucking small town in norway who gives a shit yes
0: a, you know that's how uh, Norwegian listeners has out <laughs> i didn't mean it <laughs> i like the film i did say earlier we watched a lot of norwegian films
1: it, oh gosh was it uh, a man called Ove? is that norwegian oh
0: i love
1: that film
0: i haven't that oh you know what i've been meaning to rewatch that for ages now and i'm gonna have to rewatch it soon because i love that film
1: yeah uh where's mad mickelson from what's he what's he? he
0: i don't know tina just wants him in her pants that's the only place he needs to go <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, so this is uh you know about um uh you know d- d- there's a there's, there's a, a a massive 85 meter high tsunami which uh, threatens to destroy the whole village or, or village town and or everybody in it and it's a, it is a smaller scale in as much as it, it it's about this guy and his family and they get separated and about how they all try and get back together again so you know but it nonetheless perilous because of what they do so but the thing is even though there aren't, like I'd class to say, um, Dean Devlin, Ro- uh, Roland Emmerich kind of style, you know, Armageddon, Independence mm-hmm. Day, 2012 type effects where everything is being wiped out, you know. But the, when the, the effects do happen, they are still quite uh, good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's not yeah. like cheap CG shit, you know. Um, so when when the inevitable tsunami hits, it does look quite good. Um but it does definitely rely more upon the performances and the people and you know the the things you know just the, i suppose the they're stuck in a in a room and if they open the door they're going to drown because all the water's going to come in um the water's rising slowly uh, and how are they going to get out, you know, and it's, will they get out? And, and so there's, there's stuff like that, you know, that's really, really good. Um, so we were both really enjoyed that. It oh, was, good. it was a very tense experience, you know? Um, and there were times where, you know, going back to sort of being stuck in a water, a room full of water, you know, you, you, you do feel like you're holding your breath. Yeah. Yeah. While you're watching it. Um, so yeah, that was that was really good. So thank you for that recommendation. Yeah. Um, you've watched this recently, and um, Tina did, and I think you and Tina had differing opinions on it. Obviously, yeah. I haven't spoken to Tina about it, but it'd be interesting to hear your opinion. The latest movie from Amazon Prime, starring Gerard Butler, oh, yeah. um, Greenland. Yes. So another disaster movie again on a smaller scale you can imagine that this hasn't got the budget that some of the bigger bigger budget movies I've mentioned before like disaster movies Uh, so whilst it does have special effects in it again they're sort of few and far between and they don't happen that often and it's more about the the human element of this family. Similar to the wave in in a lot of ways, you know, um, there's this massive solar flare that well, it's not a solar flare. It's, there's a it's like a well, like an an asteroid that's going to hit, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, so he gets a call um, saying that he and his family have been requested to go to Greenland and they have to get to the airport, they have to get on the flight immediately. And so when things start to go wrong and him and his neighbours, you know, everyone panics and they don't understand why him and his family have been selected and they haven't, because everyone's going to die, Um, so then there's the, all the panic that ensues, you know, and, and it's just, I suppose that just simple things of go, you know, getting in your car, driving down the road to get to the airport, but then because everybody's panicking and everybody's worrying, there's massive traffic jams, then very quickly society starts to crumble. People start killing each other. People start robbing shops and looting and, you know, there's all that. Their family gets separated. I'm not going to go into too much more detail after that, but it's, it's essentially that, you know, but him trying to keep his family together, horrible things happening all around them. Are they going to escape? Are they going to get away, you know, and get to where they need to be and all the other peril that ensues? Now, from my point of view, and it's not because I don't like Gerald Butler. I, I Actually, I don't mind Gerald Butler. You know, he's he's uh, he, he's done some decent stuff and. Um, I just didn't engage with it. I didn't get on with it particularly. Whereas with The Wave, you know, uh, and I like, I don't mind foreign language films. Lots of people are are turned off by them because they don't like subtitles, whereas I don't mind them at all. But I found that I engaged, even though there was that language barrier, I found I cared more about the family in The Wave and the people in The Wave than I did with the people in Greenland. Um, And again, that's not necessarily the fault of Gerard Butler or, you know, the other actors in it particularly but I don't know I just didn't it didn't click with me I didn't feel as tense with it I didn't feel as switched on with it um it'd be interesting to just hear your and, and Tina's take what you thought yeah uh,
0: I was just looking on letterbox then while you were talking and you gave it two stars Tina gave it one star. And I gave it three stars. So a bit of mm. a mix between all three of us. And I, I put on letterbox I put um, formulaic and predictable, but I'm a sucker for disaster movies. And yeah, it's you're not going to see anything new in this. And, you know, I, I quite like Gerald Butler. I think he's okay. He's in a lot of enjoyable films. And... It 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 did what it needed to do. I probably gave it an extra well, at least an extra half a star because I really do like disaster movies. Mm. Uh but it could it could have been so much better that could it sort of walks a line where it doesn't it doesn't give enough disaster stuff for the people that like that in a disaster movie. Um, you know, that you that you didn't get in the wave, but you don't need it in the wave because the characters are so good. But but then the characters I didn't engage enough with the characters for that side of it, so it was neither one thing nor the other. Mm-hmm. But it just about gave enough of each to go. Yeah, that was that was all right actually, and I wasn't I was never bored by it at all. But there's a lot better out there, and I think probably if I ever did get to rewatch it, which I doubt I will, I'd probably maybe readjust the score, and it might go down to maybe like a two and a half. Mm-hmm. just you know right down the middle average film might be a bit more of a fair score but on on the night it was it was a three star film for me for how much i enjoyed it
1: it's interesting because i watched the um the mark hermod review of this and he really really liked it yeah, he, he says did, he, didn't he? he's yeah. watched it multiple times which really did surprise me i have to say um but hey oh you know um so Shall I finish off my last disaster film? Yeah, yeah, of course. Because Kay loves, to, she's like you, she loves disaster oh, films. Yeah. And uh, so, again, upon your recommendation, uh, uh, after listening to your interview with the director, Simon West, he <laughs> uh, directed Conair, uh, Tomb Raider, to name a couple of movies. Expendables you know? 2. Oh, Expendables 2, of course. Yeah. God. Well, I've only seen that once, so I do need to re-watch that, I must admit. Um but uh, Skyfire, which again uh, had its premiere on Sky movies, so that was another reason to watch it. And um, I really enjoyed it. It's it's daft as fuck. It's I mean ridiculous isn't it? <laughs> It's so stupid. I mean it's it is um, it's Jurassic Park without the dinosaurs, but the dinosaurs are isn't now a volcano. Uh, Mm -hmm. kind of like that you know so this guy jason isaacs um he has set up this luxury park um where you know money's no object and you can do what you want um it's it's like this amazing island uh, but it just so happens to have a really volatile volcano on it um and you know he's uh, thought process behind this was well people love danger you know so the, the 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 fact that this this volcano could erupt at any time um you know it's just it's an extra it's a reason why people come here for, for the thrill isn't it Do you know what i mean mm-hmm. um so this is um clearly backed by chinese money uh, because it's the vast majority of it is um subtitled with its mandarin isn't it um yes. language yeah uh, so, you know, so there's very few English speaking parts and Jason Isaac's in it a little bit. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's say vast majority of it is subtitles, which again, totally fine. Now, the one thing that for me, I mean, it, you know, thing is you don't go into these type of films for the dialogue. So I'm not really fussed about that, but what made this really enjoyable, and I think this came out in your interview with, uh, with Simon was that. He, they clearly had a lot of fun finding mm-hmm. different ways to blow shit up. Yes, <laughs> um, and to make the gags, in, and and I use the word gags in terms of stunts, uh, you know, rather than sort of funny stuff, as exciting and as thrilling as they could, you know, because and there's so many different things that happen in this film that you think. Oh my God! How can it get any worse? <laughs> uh, you know, there's there's a, a truck going through a village which is on fire. Then that they, they, they uh, it goes over some lava. They're getting sucked into the lava. Then they start going over a cliff. Then there's the, the they, they manage to attach a winch to a tree. Then the the the, the uh, car starts to fall over off the cliff, and you know all this kind of. Then the tree starts burning. It's just like, oh my God. And I think because this is only, I think it's only an hour and a half long as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a short one. So you know, it's it's over before you know it, and I think before y- you really start to question what's going on. But what I, it just made me think was, Simon West should be directing like major mainstream mm-hmm. Hollywood films. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If he can do stuff, what he did in this film, which yes, it would probably would have had a decent-sized budget with, uh, you know, the financial backing from China, but um, it, if he could do like something again with mainstream actors, because you know he talked to him in the interview, didn't he? Like, he'd yeah, love to do something with Nick Cage. If he could have got Nick Cage for the Expendables yeah. two, yeah. that would have been amazing. Oh, God, um, yeah you know, and I love Con Air. I think it's awesome. It's, um, it's
0: amazing Con Aris. I love that
1: film. Yeah. Because that came out in 97. So you got The Rock in 96 and Con, Con Air in 97. Then I think you got Face Off in 97 as well. And, and, to, you know, it's a really good time for action movies. Um, but, um, anyway, so yeah, it's, it's, if you watch it, don't expect like, uh, christopher nolan levels of logic (laughs) and uh you know but if you go into it just as a fun dumb popcorn action movie disaster film you're gonna get your money's worth for sure and uh yeah really really enjoyable yeah it is it is really good i did i did enjoy watching
0: that film and yeah imagine imagine simon west directing like a big budget action film with you well dwayne johnson in and you know whoever else all the big action stars it'd be amazing
1: yeah i mean it, or even something like i mean I, I must admit i've only watched the first three fast and furious movies hmm. but from what oh, i understand you need
0: to watch the other ones mate
1: yeah well they've moved away from the original street car racing mm-hmm. stuff and turned into something completely different yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know you could if he was put behind the camera of something like that you can imagine it would be yeah. really exciting
0: it would be it'd be really good
1: Ah, right. I've got two more. I want to give a quick
0: nod of the head to the 2021 version of Wrong Turn. Uh, The original was released in 2003, which I remember watching when it came out and enjoying. But I couldn't tell you a bloody thing about it now. All I remember Mm. is thinking, Wrong Turn. Oh, yeah, that was good. What happens in it? No idea. And then there was a shit ton of sequels afterwards, which, again, if memory serves me right, got progressively worse. Uh, so this one, uh, let say the 2021 version, it's it's the usual, you know, it's sort of teens, early 20s, really fucking annoying characters. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, as, you know, as I get older every year, the more these characters just get on my tits. And because it's there were annoying characters doing stupid things. Again, you know where you get like the the typical killer in a film and they're attacking you and attacking you and all of a sudden you get the upper hand and you've got an axe and you hit them and they're on the floor and you've got an axe in your hand. And what do you do? You drop the axe and you run away. They do shit like that instead of pounding the shit out of the killer with the axe while you've got it and while they're on the floor. They do all stuff like that. So you think, oh, this is going to be so shit. It's it's not again. Me and Tina both sat and we watched this, and we both really enjoyed it. Surprisingly, hmm. might have something to do again, like we've talked about previously, going in with very low expectations. Uh, and but again, annoying characters doing stupid things. You'd think, oh, this is going to be so so awful. But it's it it isn't. The inventive kills have got a lot to do it. I have never seen a film with so much head trauma in it I don't think in my life mm. there's like one squashed head after another in various <laughs> ways, uh, one's with a, a, a rolling tree trunk and they get squashed with a tree another one's like with a big blunt instrument there's, the effects are really good in it, very good um, and it, it just the whole story took it, it's very silly obviously, but as stupid horror films go and it's an hour fifty and we... That's did, quite
1: long for a horror film, it isn't is, it? It is,
0: yeah. And it passed the clock test. We didn't once go, oh, how long still to go? We'd watched it all and it kept us very much entertained. And it's... its I'm just looking now, it's on IMDb. It's only a 5.4. Again, I think it could be one of those that you watch and you think, oh, that was a bit shit. But I think if you're in the right frame of mind for it and it catches you on the right night or whenever you're going to watch it, I think you're going to have a lot of fun with it because we did. So... Yeah, there's one that you might like. It's not a strong recommendation. Unlike my final film, which is my um, movie pick of um, this episode. It's Sound of Metal from 2019. Now, Mm. talk about going into a film with expectations I went into this expecting—I knew it was about a drummer. The cover shows a drummer, and it's—you know—you know—it's about a drummer of a rock band. And I thought, oh, I okay, guess so it's going to be like loads of—you know—scenes at a concert and loads of rock music playing and this, that, and the other. I didn't get that. I'd, I all of my expectations of it—nothing, no, there's <laughs> it nothing like that. It's—it's uh, it's, oh wow, you'll you'll cry watching it, mate um it's really it tugs at the heartstrings it's an amazing performance by riz ahmed as rubin who is the drummer and it's him and his girlfriend lou who's played by olivia cook Uh, and they're a two-piece sort of punk slash rock slash indie band he's that he's on the drums she's vocalist and guitar uh, and they're playing a gig, and then afterwards he suddenly starts at the, the merch stand, and he gets, oh, I can't quite hear properly. You know, it's missing words, and this, that, and the other. And then progressively, over a very short period of time, he loses all of his hearing.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: and it's the story of him, it's a very human story of him and how he copes somebody who sound is not just a big part of his life, is his life, and he loses that, and it's how he has to cope with it, and because his living has been taken away, his life's been taken away, because he, he cannot hear, and uh, he goes into this group of other with other deaf people and they try to teach him and of course he rebels against it he doesn't want to accept it's all my you know the different stages of, of when somebody dies you go through you know denial and anger and so on and he goes through all those stages uh, as well it's got the most incredible sound design in it it's oh it's amazing um when he lose starts losing his hearing the way that it projects that through the sound is incredible. A scene in a pharmacy where he goes in and you hear it at one point from the way that the character of Reuben hears everything and then the camera flips and you hear it from the the guy behind the counter, the way he's hearing it. Uh, and then he has these cochlear implants put in because he, he doesn't want to be deaf. He, mm. he, wants, you know, he wants to get back to his normal life. He wants to carry on playing the drums again. And then when he has these cochlear implants put in, and he's with the doctor in front of him, and she's talking, and then you hear it how he hears it, and it's not what he's expecting. It's all really high-pitched and buzzy and everything, and you're there with him. You're in his head with him, and it is all down to an incredible, incredible sound design, a great story, an amazing performance by Riz Ahmed, who has been has been nominated for a BAFTA for it, and rightly so. Hopefully he wins with it. Uh, yeah, nothing at all like what I was expecting, and i was totally blown away by it um yeah really really good human story 2 hours again easily passed the clock test um, could have had another another hour of it <laughs> and and still been just as engrossed of the story of this character and and it's one of those cause so many films you get a good film and the ending is like oh it's just like a wet fart and it's just, <laughs> <laughs> You know, it just oh god, and there, this has got the perfect ending. It's it's really good. So yeah, don't like me go into it thinking it's it's not going to be all about rock music. And it's no, it's not. It's a very human story, um, very well filmed as well. I think it's the director um, Darius Marder. I think it's his debut as a director. Mm. Uh, a very indie look to the film lots of handheld shots following the characters around and yeah it, it's just all about the characters and the sound as well like i said um yeah highly recommended sound of metal
1: there you go wow that sounds awesome um i definitely will be checking that one out mm. yeah
0: yeah it's really good um yeah put two hours to one side and um yeah just settle back and enjoy it mate
1: brilliant awesome yes
0: which um leaves us with our double dip i do believe
1: it does. Yes. I mean, I can't follow that. You know, I've got a few other things on my list, but I'm not going gonna... <laughs> sure? to follow sure. You're that? sure?
0: If you've got stuff, you can be...
1: <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. It's just stuff I've just be... it's again looking at letterboxed and I, I, I you know, obviously I watched quite a few different films over the last month or uh, six weeks, but no way. They're, 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 it's all fluff. There's nothing. <laughs> I've talked I've talked enough about what I want to talk about, so.
0: Okay, then mate. Well, we shall return in a few minutes with our double dip oh you know what i did then what you did did you hear just a quick beep like that yeah, it's yeah. because I, I touched the button but then <laughs> in my haste i touched it again and it turned it off oh oh and again if we were professional i'd edit this bit out but Fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> people
1: like the mistakes. Well, that's like, that's like what the... I
0: like to think, and in no way do I use this as an excuse to do as little editing as possible anymore. <laughs> and it's people like the mistakes, and and you know, the, and the, if you want to listen to a highly polished podcast, I'm sure others are available. And but you'll be missing out on stuff like this, where I What's shall that? now try and press the button just the once. Let's see what happens. <laughs> now, preview time. When it comes to entertainment, you can't beat a good film. So let's take a look at what's coming your way.
1: It's the hot new buzz, video games. 95% or more of the market. We were the video game industry. But then it changed. Sega! Sega! Sega!
0: It was hard to build a major video game system. None of us really knew if Sega was gonna be a success. The challenges we had were the very strong presence of Nintendo. We needed something to compete with Mario. Sonic the Hedgehog. A hedge what? We established a rule that Nintendo was not going to get pushed around. We're at war, guys. we got to win this. It became a kind of spy versus spy. They had these large inflatable balloons like Sonic. He had them deflated. A lot of yelling and screaming at various events. They were furious with us. I did not expect the U.S. Congress to get involved. He sent a message to Sega that we were going to
1: continue to fight. There was a lot at stake. It was unbelievable. You got to be ready to fight. Well, there you go. You just heard the trailer for Console Wars from 2020, um, directed by Blake J. Harris, who I believe is the author of the book as well, uh, and also uh, Jonah Toulis. Um, so this was my double dip. Uh, pick and for people who have no idea what i'm talking about um (laughs) dave and i we send each other recommendations or films documentaries whatever it might be and we say have you watched this and uh, if you haven't watched it then we well that's what we do isn't it We, we watch them and talk about them yes um that's pretty much it in a nutshell now the reason why i picked console wars is because i mentioned it I think it was the last entertainment show. Uh, I listened to the audio book some time ago now, probably about two years ago, uh, because it's all about the story of Sega and Nintendo uh, towards the end of the 80s, running up to the middle of the 90s, you know, and it's sort of about the... The, the story between uh, what happened with the Sega Genesis, as it's called in America, or Mega Drive, as it's called in Europe, um, and the Nintendo, you know, which had the NES uh, and then the SNES, and then it, it sort of goes, touches on a little bit beyond that in terms of like then PlayStation PlayStation started to emerge uh, from Sony and you know the CD technology and all this kind of stuff so i really enjoyed the audiobook um I didn't know a lot of the stuff. I didn't know the people behind who were in charge of Sega at the time, or people who are in charge of um, Nintendo. Uh, you know, I'd heard of Miyamoto, obviously, because uh, obviously everybody's heard of Miyamoto because mm-hmm. of Mario. Uh, you know, and other games, um, but. So it, I've just found it really... It was it was right up my alley. And then I found out that there was a documentary of it. So I thought, okay, well, let's check it out, which is why I picked it. Um, now, this has a 7 out of 10 on IMDb. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's only got a 1,061 ratings so far. So still decent score. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it hasn't got much in the way of Metacritic. Um, there's only two critic reviews and the first one is uh positive by av club and it says console wars never quite settles on the story it's trying to tell and then the new york times uh say form and contact merge unappealingly in contact console wars a herky-jerky documentary about the battle between nintendo and sega for control of the early 90s video game market um so that's it i mean (laughs) in terms of documentaries, I'm like, you watch a lot more than I do. So it'd be interesting to hear your take on it and and all of that. But um, yeah, there's, it's a lot of talking heads really, isn't it? About from mm, the people that yeah. were involved at the time. So you got like Tom Kalinsky, who was the head of uh, Sega of America. And, you know, the book does the same thing as the documentary does. I mean, it's only an hour and a half long, whereas the book's like four hours plus, I think. Um, but, it does paint the the picture of Sega are the plucky underdogs. I mean, Sega were nobody really in the grand scheme of things. And Nintendo were, um, you know, huge, you know, with the NES. Um, And this is after the great video game crash after Atari, um, you know, an ET kind of almost, well, it plunged the video game industry into, um, you know, nothingness almost. And then, so Nintendo came out of that and, you know, created this huge, massive industry which we enjoy today. You know, and 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 all of that. But it does paint Sega as the underdog, and Nintendo as the enemy, shall we say? You know, and 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 um very corporate, and um, you know, Sega do what they can to push their product and compete and then in some ways better Nintendo um and you know some of the tricks that they did so the the, the timeline for the documentary goes from from that you know the appointment of Tom kalinsky uh, who was a, a part of Mattel you know did a lot of toy stuff was very successful but then came onto this company Sega which wasn't doing very well at all and turned their fortunes around um and then goes into some of the other stuff about how their promotion, you know, their promotional stuff, the rivalries they had with Sega, the people that were on board at the time, Nintendo Power Magazine, uh, the Congress hearings in America, which is kind of crazy to think about it with the, the you know, um, Mortal Kombat coming out in 1992, 93. Uh, the violence for, you know, video games was touched upon a little bit. Um, so it kind of goes through that period of, of time, you know, which to me, I was prob- well, I was about 13, 14. So I had a Super Nintendo and I had a Mega Drive at different points. Mm. So, you know, I, yeah, anyway, I'm not going to say any more about what I think. What <laughs> did you think of this? Uh, I'm going to have to start
0: by. Give him my Letterbox score. I know we keep referencing Letterbox all the time, and if, again, people listening—you obviously got some interest in films. If you haven't got Letterboxed, it's such it's such a great app to have. It's one of those apps, isn't it, mate? That you think I don't really need that. I thought that for years. Tom was telling me about it, and then once you've got it, it's like invaluable to help to, with all sorts to do with film to discover stuff and read about them. So um, yeah, if you haven't got it, jump onto letterboxed. I gave it two and a half. Mm-hmm. Now the reason for that is. Um, it's to me it's the equivalent of like you you're thinking of getting into a band so you get a compilation album a best of as it were Th- this to me was like a best of um uh, Loads of, of video game documentaries to give you a flavour, and then if you enjoy it, you can go more in depth with them. So you mentioned with the Atari, and you know, but the, you know, the big scandal with the ET cartridges, and they're all tossed into a landfill. They spent they spend like less than a minute on that, whereas Atari Game Over, which is a great documentary to watch, tells you all about that. And it was the same with with loads of other it. it talk so much about this and that of which there are uh, longer and better documentaries because they've got more time to go over it the the netflix series that i talked about i think it was, oh, the middle or towards the end of last year called high score which covers a lot of the stuff that is covered in this but because it's in total it's over a f- it's over four hours um can go a lot more in depth about it mm. so w- while everything that they showed in it was was really good and interesting it was bits here and bits and bits there and and bits there and the documentary filmmakers even though it's you know it's called console wars they didn't they didn't sit on the fence and write okay so we're, you know we're, we're going to sell this as sega versus nintendo you know they were obviously on sega's side as the underdog and pulling for sega and can they be you know the the, the big boys of nintendo who rule the roost and you know are owning video games at this period um so I gave it a two and a half, not because it was, you know, oh, it's average. It's all right, isn't it? It is good, but I much prefer because, I you know, I love video games, you know, as much as you do. We've been playing them, you know, since they've been going. It's oh, there's. I want to. I'd rather rewatch High Score, or I'd rather go and watch Atari Game Over because that tickled my fancy about the ET consoles, you know, all being buried. It didn't really give me anything new you know i talked about the the bruce lee documentary and that covered a lot of stuff from previous bruce lee documentaries but i got i got quite a bit of new stuff that i never knew before this didn't really tell me anything new so i would go it's it's fine if you haven't you know you've got maybe not got the history of video games playing them or you want to know more about it it's a good starting point that then might lead you on to other documentaries as a as a whole in itself i do look at it as as sort of a a, the compilation documentary of video game documentaries if you
1: know what i mean Mm. Uh, yeah i totally get where you're coming from i think from my point of view the high point of video game documentaries is from bedrooms to billions oh yeah yeah you know that's just you know Again, from my point of view, from coming from that era when you got the likes of the ZX Spectrum and Commodore, uh, you know, and how these bedroom programmers essentially helped to build this industry that is is a gigantic, you know, billion dollar uh, money spinner for you know um, that makes so much money. It's just it's so huge now. It's incomprehensible. I think if uh, if you'd have said to them back in the early 80s that what they were doing would help to contribute to you know having a huge industry that's as bigger than the film industry and the the music industry put together they probably would just think you were crazy do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so now I'll, I suppose I'll start with the, the the positive things that I really liked about it. I, again, it, it hit the right tone for me in terms of, you know, as a kid growing up with this kind of stuff, I was automatically interested in it because it was stuff that I grew up with. So a lot of the, uh, the people that were behind it, it was good, you know, it was interesting to see them, hear their take on it, albeit briefly, shall we say, um, and, you know, not in any great detail. Uh, but it was good to see this, and hear from their involvement. I mean, one of the things that I found interesting was the people that worked, it was San Francisco, wasn't it? You know, they all stayed in this, like, comfort inn, didn't they? Yeah. And there's one guy still living yeah. there. He's still there. <laughs> That's great. Um, He's mental. Um, but so that was interesting, seeing all of the clips of the video games that were involved, all of the trade shows, because uh, I love E3, you know, and... Um, Eurogamer, you know, actually going to Eurogamer to get your hands on some of the games that aren't out for at least another six to twelve months is is fun, exciting, you know. So seeing of that from that era and how that has changed, you know, was kind of exciting and interesting. I loved, and this is possibly one of the best things I loved about it was the animation and the way that there was sort of like the segues between the things that they were talking about to the next thing. So, for example, uh, Tom Kalinsky, like I said, who's the head of Sega, walked into his new office and he was used to, I suppose, like a big plush office when he worked at Mattel. And then to walk into this, you know, poorly lit, poorly uh, furnished, crappy-looking building the way that they did that was they animated it in a 16-bit style of graphics of him walking into this building and he got like his energy bar. And as he got closer to his desk, it just his these energy bar kept sapping away, you know? (laughs) And then there was other things where they were talking about the head of Sega of Japan, who by all accounts was a bit of a uh, tyrannical arsehole. Um, Him sort of chasing people around this, you know, a uh, video game version of an office like Pac-Man, you know, and, yeah. and sort of eating them up. But that was, I loved all of that. And there was like little sections where he, him and Tom Kalinski faced off. Um, and it, again, it was like a bit like, um, you know, a, a Sega arcade game, the way that they did it with, with all that. Then there was the animation st- st- stuff that, was, that they did as well, which I really, really liked. So I think they incorporated that really well, you know, sort of taking the, 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 um, arcade and the console graphics that were made synonymous by, you know, Sega at the time, and putting them into the documentary, I thought that was really clever. Um, But it just seemed to end so abruptly, Mm, you know, and it was over so quickly, and it was almost like a very glossy version, like you said, of, so it just touched upon, there's so much more that happened that this almost just felt like it was just kind of almost, it, it felt like the, um, those Netflix, Netflix series that, you know, the toys that made us or whatever it was, or yeah, the TV, you yeah. know, the, 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 the movies that made us where, but whereas you, with this, you didn't have like, a, I suppose like what you class as a comedy voiceover chap, you know, sort of talking through the various points of the, the, uh, documentary. And those, are, again, those are only about what, 45, 50 minutes long. Yeah. That, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So this isn't much longer, but it kind of felt a bit like one of those, if you like, that they clearly had a lot of love for the subject matter, but it just didn't, it didn't quite hit the high notes for me because, and like I said, I was um, triggered, shall we say? Yeah, Dave, you can sit here. I'm going. <laughs> sorry so that that was so i was uh you know uh, it, 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 it did hit the right nerve for me you know if you can hit a right nerve um you know in terms of the the content and the delivery was good mm. but it was just it felt like to use an old saying um fur coat no knickers <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah. it looked good yeah but there wasn't a lot of substance behind it There was yeah. nothing there you know, um, and some people will love that, you know, just having somebody wearing a fur coat and having no <laughs> knickers on. Uh, but you know what I'm trying to say? It just, it was like, it it, it looked good and it was flashy. Mm. I suppose like a blockbuster movie, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is, is fine, but it doesn't give you a great deal. Uh, you know, it's like a Big Mac, isn't it? Or a, like you said before, a McDonald's. It's fine for about 30 minutes and then you just want something mm. else. So, yeah. Yeah. so that was my take on it i liked it i gave it a, a higher star rating for you but but then like i said the, the subject matter um was uh i suppose like i said more um it meant more i suppose in, to me because of growing up through that mm-hmm. era you know so uh yeah three three and a half stars i gave it
0: yeah no it's good it is it is good it is good and it, it does like you said leave your wanting more and thankfully there is a lot more out there like i said if you want to know more about you know the et um cartridges or or anything else in it there's a lot more documentaries where it's a good starting point to lead you on to other stuff to find out more about video games which uh, yeah which is really
1: yeah and please check out if you haven't watched it already please watch from bedrooms to billions because that is just an awesome mm. awesome di- uh, documentary now i know uh, it, uh, it's to my own shame i guess that i haven't watched the amiga years which considering i had an amiga and loved that computer <laughs> I, I just i don't know i just haven't watched it um i've heard it's, it's not as good it's not as it's good
0: go- no it is good though
1: it's going to be difficult to obviously, you know, be as good as mm. that. Um, but then th- they've got a new one out of them, which, again, I haven't watched, but um, the PlayStation Revolution. Yeah, that's I haven't seen that one yet. So I think that came out last year. Yeah, I need um, to get that but one. But that, that'll be fun as well, because, again, it, you know, the, obviously um, Console Wars focuses solely on um, Sega um and nintendo around that time like i said sort of like early to mid 90s and then you know in 95 96 she got playstation which emerged into the market and really in some ways you know well it it, it, it rendered um uh sega obsolete in a lot of ways i mean they pushed on with the dreamcast after that which was a console way ahead of its time oh, i loved my dreamcast and you know was incredible, but the disadvantage that that had got compared to the PlayStation 2 was that PlayStation 2 had got a DVD player, and DVD at the time was huge. Yeah. Uh, so it killed off uh, you know a console that had so many ar- arcade perfect, incredible games. You know on the Dreamcast, um, and there was no- there was nothing really initially on the PlayStation 2, there were some great games eventually, but you look at the, the games that came out on the Dreamcast and it was a, it was like having an arcade in your home. Oh, yeah. You know. yeah. At, at that point, the, yeah. you could only really ever experience those type of games in an arcade, um, which in itself, you know, that you could argue the Dreamcast and that those type of home consoles rendered arcades obsolete, you know. But then at, since then, that was the last console that Sega ever released. Uh, you know in 99 2000 and you know they've they're still here mm. um but and, and you know they've they've done a few little things like the Sega mini you know the genesis mini and there's, there's that game gear mini which i don't know if you saw that it was ridiculous how mm-hmm. you'd play that yeah um but you know um it's just interesting how those fo- how the fortunes of those companies or even Commodore you know talking about the amiga i mean they went busts as well and and they were huge at one point um oh yeah c64 i had that that was great yeah so but again just purely from my point of view of being somebody who's grown up with video games and loves video games still you know 40 odd years after i started playing my first video games it it did you know i i will eat that stuff up all day do you know what i mean (laughs) even even if it was shite um i'd still enjoy it because it's it's video games so yeah
0: yeah it was good it was good right shall we shall we move on yes right to your pick let's move on to my pick then
1: on the streets of LA a robbery suspect is gunned down by police he's just a kid his identity impossible to uncover the whole file it's been stolen somebody's trying very hard to keep him anonymous it's like that kid
0: dropped out of the sky
1: but someone out there is demanding revenge
0: Four officers were hit this morning, all DOA. Somebody's making heavy payback on him specifically.
1: Got him, never forget that face. Son of crime boss Vincent sir. No wonder we're catching so much heat. When somebody kills the long they pay. Disappear Ray, get your wife and kids out of the city. Somebody's put a bullseye on your forehead. When you're in too deep. Lucas is dead. I want you to get out of town. When the stakes are too high. There's an informant inside the station. When they take away everything you've ever loved... Tina and the kids, where are they? There's nothing left to lose. my wife, my kids, and my best friend. And now you're going to pay with your life. This is family business. Recoil. And there you go. You just heard lots of gunshots, gunfire, <laughs> uh, explosions, some incredible delivery of dialogue by Gary Daniels. Um, and, uh, yeah, that that was Recoil. Um, it just reminds me of, like, there were lots of films around this time that had one w- word titles, didn't they? Like Ricochet, yeah. you know, sort of like just sort of things that meant really nothing but well, this, sounded good for an action movie you this, know
0: this is gary daniel's third pm entertainment film after um rage and
1: riot and now recoil Ooh, <laughs> okay It's uh, so three r's there you go yes. now this was your pick so what made you now first and foremost when you sent me this pick i was thinking Fucking hell, this is a film from 1998 that Dave hasn't seen. (laughs) What's going on? It's a PM Entertainment film. Now, you have to explain to me and everybody why you love PM Entertainment films so much, because this was probably my first PM Entertainment (gasps) film. Oh, or
0: maybe it isn't, as you might find out. Um, Yeah, PM Entertainment, uh, an American, they were an independent, or they were, an, an, uh, an American independent production and distribution company, and again, for listeners of the Decade of Decadence show with me and Tom, or even if you go back even further to the days of 80s Picture House, you'd have heard me and Tom talk about PM, PM Entertainment. I'm a huge fan of them. Uh, they were founded in 1989. They went through till the early 2000s. They produced low to mid-budget um, direct-to-video action films, usually tried to grab one name to entice people to rent out the titles or buy it. One of the very first films, in fact, I think it was the first PM Entertainment film, was Shotgun, starring Stuart Chapin. Oh, Ah, there you go. ah. Uh, Of course, again, if you don't know anything about that, well, we've got quite a few shows uh, with Stuart. Go to our YouTube channel and watch Shotgun with me and Tom and Stuart. God bless him. uh, Doing the commentary for it so yeah that's that's pm entertainment they on again here we go letterboxd on letterboxd um there's a list that i've got and it's 140 pm entertainment titles now i've got on dvd i think it's 118 of them i've got on dvd uh, I collect them. I fucking love them. And I remember one Christmas. It was a Christmas or a birthday. I think it was a Christmas. And Tina got me. It was this box that was all wrapped up. And I unwrapped it and opened the box. And it was full of PM Entertainment films that I hadn't got. Because being a geek, I had a list of them all. And ticked off which ones I got and which ones I needed. And she, she bought me a load of them. And I love them because they're what <laughs> one of the things i love is like again regular listeners know cheap um cheesy action films where the acting isn't really the best and the action might not be the best but there's something about them that's so just fucking enjoyable and that's what i found with this with recoil that's why i picked it it's been one of those that's been sat on my shelves it's a pm entertainment because there's still a lot that i've never seen uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of titles Among all the other stuff that we watch So any excuse to uh, take off another PM Entertainment title That I haven't seen So that's why I picked it, mate
1: Well, there you go um, Now, so I've, uh, you know, not watched many I think the only one I've watched is um, is Shotgun mm-hmm. The PM Entertainment But then there could be others which I've seen Which, you know, I mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily recognise as PM Entertainment Because I wouldn't be looking out for it yeah. So this is... Um, Got a 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb. But again, only very few, I suppose, relatively speaking, ratings. 565. Um, It's on for an hour and 36 minutes. Stars Gary Daniels, as you mentioned. Now, Gary Daniels is one of those... Actors, uh, I suppose, sort of like you know, mid 90s, that a lot along with a lot of martial arts stars, and I made a list of them as I was kind of like you know, thinking about it. So, you got Jeff Speakman, mm-hmm. Don the Dragon Wilson, yeah, uh, Billy Blanks, um, mm-hmm. uh, Mark de Coscos, uh, Das Coscos, I should say. Um, around that time, you would got this sort of top tier martial arts. Uh, action movie stars like Van Damme obviously and then you know even Steven Seagal I guess to a certain degree you could put in that bracket um, who who were just but then these were the ones just below that weren't they you know that did a lot of direct to video uh, stuff direct to DVD whatever you want to call it so but you know these guys carved out a successful career but just probably aren't as well known Mm -hmm. as some of the Top tier stars, shall we say. Um, this is possibly one of my first Gary Daniels movies,
0: ah, believe it or not. Okay.
1: Um, I'd heard of him. Now, saying that, though, he's in The Expendables, isn't he? Yes, he is. Um, so, you know, I, I've possibly seen British guy. And again, it's one of them not criticising his acts or anything. Maybe it's just because it's the kind of British accent, that, you know, that just stands out a little bit. <laughs> just <laughs> not great. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to hold that against him. Now, I made quite a few notes as I was watching this film going along, so shall I read out some of these notes? Yeah,
0: do it, mate. Go on.
1: So, it starts off with um, a bank robbery, uh, sort of uh, reminiscent of Heat um, from 95 with Michael Mann, and, you you know, the first These bank robbers are wearing body armour and they don't give a fuck, do they? (laughs) I mean... At one point, they say to somebody, "Stay down, stay down, and you won't be hurt." Just as they throw a man through a window and then shoot him on the floor, uh, which is awesome. <laughs> all the cops turn up. Um, you know, Gary Daniels and his partner are racing there, and but all hell is break bro, uh, breaking loose. You have got two um, gunmen outside the uh, the bank now, although they're robbing money from the bank that doesn't seem to be their priority because they're just shooting the cops and shooting everybody. Yeah. Um, now, so they're outside. The cops can't shoot for shit. No, like, <laughs> they're just standing there, these two bank robbers. And they, they get hit in the chest a little bit with the body armour, which they just kind of... It knocks them back about a millimetre. Yeah. Um, why are the, the cops going for the head? You know, <laughs> that was my first question. <laughs> um, then... Gary Daniels and his partner show up. They're a little bit better because they they start shooting people. Um I mean his partner's even got like a sniper rifle yeah. which he uses which is is cool. Yeah. Um now there's this guy this cop called Ted but, which Gary Daniels seems to have a relationship with because Ted gets shot and he has the worst death ever. Uh <laughs> he sort of lies there on the floor he's like, you, know, <laughs> you know he's he's properly hamming it up. Oh yeah, making the most of his part what was what was the relationship between gary daniels and ted do you know
0: i i don't know i think they must have had some you know almost father-son relationship because gary daniels gets so upset his character ray morgan gets so upset you know that he, he has to kiss his crucifix that he's wearing and you can see it visibly He he's so shocked mate i mean you can see the way that he emotes in that scene of, of how distraught
1: he is it's Oscar worthy, of you know. It's uh, but uh, so anyway, he is really pissed off about that. So then he becomes bulletproof, and the, and then the
0: even the, though even though he fuck body armor for for bloody Ray Morgan, mate, he
1: just wears a suit, yeah, and then just casually walks towards them, doesn't he? Yeah, he didn't give a fuck at that point, and so he, he then shoots one of the robbers, Uh but then he realizes, oh shit, I'm not bulletproof, and and ducks behind a car, Um and then. They they kill a few more of the. Sorry, I'm going through the film here, but these were the notes as I was making. I was making them as I was going like, is that okay? Yeah. They the police kill about a million police. They're, sorry, the bank robbers kill about a million police uh, officers, uh, and you know they they're just they dying, aren't they? Shooting the shit out of everything, um, and then one of the bank robbers escapes on a motorbike, and they have like the longest chase ever. Mm along a it's what is it it's like a a warehousey type well
0: yeah i mean it starts off outside doesn't it they go from the streets of the bank and then all the way through the streets busy roads then they end up yeah in like this massive warehouse a really huge warehouse where they go inside and it's full of pallets everywhere and the pallets are on the floor aren't they and And the motorbikes and barrels of course uh and the motorbike what kind of
1: fucking warehouse is this it's just got pallets and barrels well that's
0: it it. yeah and because and so they're all going one way and they're chasing the motorbike and the motorbike's jumping you know it's just one single pallet on the floor so it's and the motorbike's jumping across them and the cars are jumping across them and the motorbike gets to the far end of the of the warehouse and then turns around and then so do the cars and they all come the whole way back to the full length of the warehouse <laughs> and the and the flat single pallets that were on the floor are all now in bigger stacks so they can be driven into along with even more barrels that have been put off so they go back all the way back through the warehouse and back out into the streets again, which makes you think why the fuck did he ride into the warehouse in the first place
1: yeah um and also so he's got some grenades on his chest, I think some. <laughs> So I think he's got four, I counted, you know, but he appears to have like an infinite supply of grenades he's because got, he's chucking He's chucking grenades, isn't he? Constant. He's got like magic
0: pockets because he's on the motorbike and he throws so many grenades and you're going, where is he getting, is he, I don't know, is he like hardened criminal and he's had them up his arse? I don't know where they're coming from, <laughs> but he's got a lot of them and he likes throwing them.
1: Yeah, and there's lots of explosions. Lots of police cars going, uh, do, doing the A-team jump, which oh. um, you know I described in Blind Fury. There's a there's a bit of that. You yeah. get that, it's that classic, isn't it, where a, a, a car hits another car at the right angle, it flips up into the air and then onto its side, yeah. and then just does like a million flips as it goes along. Um, Can so I point
0: out already that at this stage? so many cameras must have been destroyed, which is, again, a PM Entertainment trait, that they set the cameras up for these jumps, these car stunts and everything. But you see that a car will come flying. Uh, I mean, health and safety and PM Entertainment are not... Those phrases never go together because they just don't give a fuck about health and safety. So the cars come flying towards the, the cameras, and then you see it's going gonna, it's gonna to destroy the camera. It's going to hit it anyway easily, just... Send it flying, then it'll cut to a camera that's further back, and you'll see the car, and you'll see it so many times in this mate, and other PM Entertainment films, where the car will hit like a little cardboard box which has the camera in from the other shots and just sends it fucking flying. That happens so many times in the first 20 minutes too.
1: Yeah. I was gonna say this is like the first ten minutes of the film. Oh, you yeah. know. So many uh explosions, gunfire, it's just okay, wow, here we go. Uh so then the uh they managed to catch up to this this bank robber.
0: What? um did you notice how they caught up to him, this amazing motorcyclist who's done, like you said, this incredible chase, weaved through traffic, weaved through this warehouse both ways, then back out into traffic. And then he just rides into a a concrete wall and goes, (laughs) (laughs) how the fuck did he do that? He's done all of that amazing, you know, motorcycling. What skills? And he just goes like, boom, concrete wall. Oh, hard luck,
1: mate. Yeah. Uh, So they, uh, they, him, uh, Gary Daniels and um, a few of the coppers, they, he t- he's he's got the he's back to them. This bank robber has, but he turns around. You think he's got a gun, or he, you know he's about to, sh- to shoot them. So they gun him down like fucking Robocop style. Um, you know, <laughs> they don't, they don't give a shit. Uh, and then they discover he's only a he's a young uh, kid. You know, he, well, say a young kid. He's he's a he's not a, a hardened criminal, shall hmm. we say? Yeah. you know he's quite young. Turns out that he's the son of a big mob boss. Who's not very pleased about this situation, particularly as the the news reporters deem it fit, even though they give a warning saying that this, this contains some graphic imagery of Gary Daniels and his par- his partners gunning down <laughs> said um, oh you know, criminal uh, you know, there you go. yeah uh so but anyway he orders a hit on all of the police involved in the shooting um meanwhile gary daniels and his partner go off with his with their families uh to the beach and you know are having a good time whatever and gary daniels at one point sort of moping around wearing the most ridiculous shorts and football top <laughs> doing kicky ups keepy yeah. ups whatever you want to call them uh with his son anyway so then there's like a montage of the of the gangsters killing all the police. And at one point, um, walking into a police station and just gunning everybody down.
0: Yeah, casually just walking into a full police station. And then just, yeah. And again, the cops are terrible at shooting back. They, they can't do anything, the cops in there. And in fact, all the way through, I would love to know, I'd love to watch this one time and count. In fact, I don't think you could keep up with the count of how many bullets are fired at Gary Daniels in this film. And only, a bit of a spoiler, only one bullet hits him the entire film. There mm. are hundreds of bullets fired. The, the, this is a prime example, I think the, the biggest example of, of cops being shit shots in movies.
1: They're oh, God, terrible yeah. terrible, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so then there's mention of a corrupt cop and you're not quite sure who he, he is, mm-hmm. but I knew who he was. <laughs>
0: yeah, and he was always, he was a sweaty bastard all the way through it as well, wasn't he? And you think, is, is that supposed to be like a bit of a tell early on that, oh, oh, where's the cop? And they're all fine, they're all fine. It's going from one to the other from the, and, and then you go, fucking hell, mate, you're a bit sweaty, aren't you? Ah, oh, then you find out why. It's because yeah. he's he's the one, that he's the corrupt one.
1: Mm-hmm. So, uh, then, um, I can't remember at this point, but Gary, sorry, we are doing spoilers, but uh, mm. at, 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 at this point or around this point in the film as well, Gary Daniels' partner is killed. Um, and a little interesting tidbit of information about this, this guy who plays his partner. So he's an actor called Gregory McKinney. Yeah. Now, I recognised him from other things, particularly more. he plays a small part in Mortal Kombat from 1995 yeah. uh, where he plays jacks uh, and, and jacks in the video games is a character with metal arms and he likes to pull off the arms of his opponents and whatever um but anyway so he's only in that very briefly then you know so I started to look into him a little bit and I found out that he died in april 1998 so, oh my God! When this film came out, he he actually died shortly afterwards. Um, God, this came out in March,
0: didn't it? Ninety-eight. Jeez. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? Really. Yeah. Um, it, uh, he died of a brain aneurysm.
0: Oh my God.
1: Yeah. So there you go. That's the that little. Oh, I was going to say fun fact. It's not really. It's <laughs> not really. It wasn't for him, <laughs> was it? That's for sure. Uh, anyway. Um. So yeah. Then Gary and his family are in the car and they are driving back to wherever. And then this uh, truck um, starts ramming them off the road, which goes on for quite a long time. Um, The kids in the back haven't got their seatbelts on, which, you know, as a parent, kind of made me sort of go, (laughs) put your fucking seatbelts on. Um, there was yeah. one time, not long ago, Sophie's, uh, you know, she can't put her own seatbelt on and she's only four, but she can press the button to take it off. And we were driving and she took it off oh, I went fucking ballistic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, that, that's another story. So <laughs> Gary and his missus have got their seatbelts on, but the kids haven't. No, they're too and busy all-
0: playing Etch-A-Sketch.
1: Yeah. All the time that this truck is hitting them and trying to ram them off the road, you think he'd turn around and say, put your fucking seatbelts on. <laughs> but he doesn't. No. Um, so they then get uh, rammed off the road and go down a hill. And then next thing you know is that uh, uh, Gary wakes up in a, uh, a church. It, well, it's not a church, is it? What is it? It's, it's not a convent because it's got male. Yeah, monastery. Monastery. There you go. Thank you. No, sorry. It's out, it's slightly after this that Gary's partner dies, isn't it? Mm. Um. So then, you know, Gary then goes on this uh this revenge trip to avenge his family. So he starts killing off the other family members of this mob boss. Uh, uh, he goes to a party that they're hosting at one point, and then this is where he does a bit of martial arts, which was you know decent. I mean, he's a decent martial artist. It's fair to say, isn't he? Yeah. You know, you wouldn't pick a fight with him. No, put it like, no, no chance. Uh, he, so he breaks the neck of one of them, and then he's... he. You know, there's a, a, another gunfight. At this point, the gangsters can't shoot for shit. Um, and then there's, there's um, another fight where he's... Now, this was quite impressive, I have to say. Did go on for quite a bit of time, but because it, the stunts in it were quite impressive, and I did look at them at one point thinking... That really doesn't look safe. <laughs> but there's yeah. a there's a chase down a highway <laughs> where they're hanging off a limo, him and this other guy, they're having a fight, they're having a scrap. Well, I say they are. It's well, Gary and his stuntman, uh, or it's the stuntman and the other stunt man guy's yeah. stuntman, they're having a fight. Um, there's lots of near scrapes where cars nearly hit them. Um, you know, hit- <laughs> It's mental, isn't it? It's
0: crazy. And again, it's another thing I love, and it's it's a regular thing in PM Entertainment films. Uh, crazy stunts and a, a complete disregard for health and safety because yeah. there's stuff you're going to see in some of the other films as well that you go, oh, something must have gone wrong at some point. And sometimes things do go wrong and they leave it in as well. You can see
1: stunts that have clearly gone wrong
0: and they leave it in. But yeah, wow. this, this is crazy
1: scene. Um, so then that ends in a, an impressive uh, explosion and jump from the limo. Um, and then again, so Gary then goes to a warehouse, which is abandoned, clearly it is, uh, but it's also a drug den, um, you know, for the, for the gangsters, and they're making drugs or packing up drugs, which looks like heroin, uh, no, cocaine. Yeah. Sort of. but it's it's white powdery substance, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Now... The guys that the fights, because, again, there's a bit of martial arts now at this point, but they're all wearing, like, white lab coat-type things. Mm-hmm. Now, they've all got face masks on, which is fair enough, because, you know, don't want to inhale the, the, the fumes of yeah, the drugs or whatever. Yeah. But they've also got hair nets. Why, <laughs> why are they wearing hair nets? I, don't, I still don't want to get a stray hair in a packet of drugs well, or something. the last
0: thing. You want to snort snorting cocaine. You don't want, you know, a bit of hair
1: up there. <laughs> so that was fun. Um now the sound effects at this point are quite impressive because I mean I watched this on Amazon Prime. Uh, I'm guessing you watched it on DVD. Um but what? the sound of the gun there's like a weird like they they overly emphasize the sort of like the, the the clinking of the guns. Yeah. I and don't the quite fight get that.
0: scenes as well some of the fight scenes the the which I know is a thing in martial arts films, you know when fists hit flesh. But there were some weird sounds in this too. For that,
1: mm. but Gary breaks a few necks, and the sounds of the necks cracking <laughs> is is quite amusing. Um, so then he gets his revenge. I mean, you know, essentially, it's a bit like the Punisher in it. You know, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit like Hard to Kill, um, and you know, and then it ends really abruptly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's kind of like the little run-through of the film. I, was, I mean, that's the, that's the film, isn't it, essentially? Now, that's n- not to say that I didn't in- enjoy it, because I think, um, I mean, what's my letterbox score? I gave it two and a half, mm. so it's kind of middle of the road. Yeah. Now, what I liked about it was that, again, didn't really outstay its welcome. I liked that it was a bit cheesy. I liked it that it was a bit cheap and cheerful, you know, um, but... <laughs> I suppose the, the, you know, the acting's not going to win any awards, not any ones that it wants anyway. But the I suppose the biggest problem I got, and again, I find it, it's difficult to criticise it too much because they clearly had a limited budget to work with, so they had to make the most of what they got. And they did that. So plus points for doing that, do you know what I mean? But the problem I think I got with it was that it just, to me, sort of pointed out that there is an art to making an action film. Yeah and you can't just chuck like loads of explosions and loads of gunfire and a bit of martial arts. You you know, that's not just going to automatically make it amazing because the problem I got, I think was, and I've already said this, was that some of the chase sequences, they went on for far too long. You know what I mean? The shootout (laughs) at the start just went on and on and you're thinking, fucking hell. Um, And so that just took away from it. But, overall reasonably enjoyable. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, this is a prime example of of everything that I like about PM Entertainment films. I give it three and a half. And yeah, questionable acting, which is a plus point for me. Uh, Ridiculous car chases. Lots of over-the-top explosions. Uh, Again, insane stunts um where you think at any point it could go wrong it really really could go wrong and and you don't know and even though the you know the storylines are quite derivative of everything that you've ever seen before i just find them so enjoyable and so so watchable and again great like that wheels of fire would be great at night with mates and beers you know i watch these like this one uh, by myself in an afternoon with um, a cup of coffee and and loved it because uh yeah, I've got a real soft spot. I've got I've gotta admit, I've got a real soft spot for PM Entertainment films. And yeah, this did this didn't disappoint. I watched, in fact, the week before this, I rewatched Rage, um, with him in, which I enjoyed. I need to rewatch Riot as well. And then that's the uh, the three R films with Gary Daniels in. But yeah, if if anybody's you know, it's Pete Gier, uh interest in PM Entertainment, maybe you've not heard of them before. There's a lot of titles to go at. Like I said, there's 140 on the list on Letterboxd to go at. And the majority of uh classics. <laughs> if you <laughs> consider this a classic like I do. Uh, or you might just think it's hey, shit. Let us know.
1: Yeah. Um we had a little bit of correspondence. We had uh one Twitter response. I don't know if you caught this, but um uh, Gareth Cutcliffe mm-hmm. um at Cutty fourteen twenty seven. Uh, Gary Daniels deserved more recognition and bigger movies. Loved him in City Hunter, which mm. I confess I haven't seen.
0: Yeah, he, he does deserve more recognition. I like Gary Daniels. Um, I've got to admit, I do. I do like watching him. And uh, I'd love an interview show with him. I think that'd be great. I've loads to talk about. That's for sure. And mm. he, he's, you know, he said he's one of those actors that you know. He, even though he didn't break really you know into the a list um you know he made a lot of films and obviously made a living from it and made some really very enjoyable films too
1: um mm. uh, so well as of today i think he's got 76 credits on his acting mm. resume um so you know y- you know anybody who makes that many films but regardless of the quality of them you know you have to take your hat off to them a little bit yeah, oh, I guess. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah I think the equivalent of today would be like Scott Atkins we've talked about before haven't we you know somebody who deserves that recognition who's clearly very talented you know and has been in some a lot of what you class as films like this really you know I suppose lower budget Mm -hmm. a bit cheap and cheerful uh, but very entertaining at the same time yeah Um, and then has dabbled with the bigger blockbuster movies like he was in doctor strange he was in expendables 2 um but his bread and butter tends to be this type of film you know
0: yeah yeah we did have we also had a question on twitter Ooh. as well yeah Ooh. it was it was from somebody called uh, xx4dxx and uh, it's a Mr. Benton Ford ah. and uh, yeah it was a question and uh, I need to set the scene first of all before I ask the question so I just hang on a minute mate because we've got, we got to set set the tone actually for his question. so here we go. <laughs> there, that's just, that's just setting the scene because the question from Mr. Ford to both of us is why are you both so sexy? <laughs> Chris, would you like to answer that
1: for well, for Benton? It just comes naturally, I think. You know, it's uh, in all it, senses of the word. Yeah. Because you know, there's not much more I can say about that. Yeah. Just, just naturally, <laughs> How about you?
0: naturally. Sexy. We can do nothing about it, Ben. <laughs> that was that was Ben's question to us both. Yeah. I just thought I'd have to set the scene for that one, mate.
1: Awesome. I like that. Um, Just looking at this... um, Sorry, I'm going back to Gary Daniels. I'm going into Gary Daniels' rabbit hole now. Oh, good. Um, He's done a film with Gary Busey. That could be worth a watch, couldn't it? Called No Tomorrow. Ooh. From 1999.
0: You see, he got a Busey film as well. When, um, for the March Decade of Decadence show, a rewatch of a Busey film called Bulletproof. So...
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you go.
0: Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was good. It's very very good. And again, of course, everybody listening if send us an email, let us know what you think of these films. Um maybe you've watched them, maybe you haven't. Maybe you're going to watch them now because of this. Send us an email and we will respond on the next show. Send us an email about anything doesn't have to be about these two films. Could be films, um TV that we've talked about or anything at all. And we shall read it out and respond because um we said haven't we, Chris, we're Chris? we going to we've got our sort of timetable put in that we're going to try and stick to for the second friday of every other month so all being well the next time that we record will be the second friday in may so yes yeah the followers yeah. on twitter again i know everybody that listens to us isn't on twitter um but you're going to need to look at twitter to find out the double dip picks that we normally announce online like the week before so you can give us a bit of feedback about those but in the meantime Get an email to us before the second friday of um may about anything and we'll read it out and respond on that show that's easily mm-hmm. done um ways you can do that go to the website 60mw.co.uk there's a contact us form on there or you can email us direct which is contact at 60mw.co.uk links to everything is on the website that's the hub of everything instagram and twitter is on there uh, 60mw podcast you uh, will tour hopefully We'll get that kicking off again. Now people can start to move around to get the world tour kicked off. And there's a very easy way to leave us a review too. So uh, it'd be nice to add some more reviews on there. And of course, that is numerical 16, not alphabetical
1: there. Mm. Mm. Dude, sorry, I'm just looking. <laughs> Gary Daniels.
0: <laughs> You're obsessed He's, now. You're going to get a
1: Gary Daniels tattoo, aren't you now? I can I, see I it. am. Yeah. He's, he did a film in 2015 called Skin Traffic. Looking at the cast, it's got, Mickey Rourke, mm-hmm. Eric Roberts, Daryl Hannah, Michael Madsen, uh Jeff Fahey. Now, I mean the thing that's drawn me to it is Mickey Rourke looks fucking terrible in this. Yeah,
0: I saw His um...
1: face. <laughs> God almighty. What's it, what the hell? I mean he was a good-looking guy. What oh the... yeah, very handsome guy. What the hell did he do to his face? I mean, you know, he had a it's another one that had a resurgence. I've just put it in the in the chat. He had a resurgence, didn't he, with like the wrestler and uh the expendables mm-hmm. and whatever, yeah. but God almighty. Anyway, sorry. Mm, <laughs> might have to watch that then. <laughs> 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 uh,
0: oh, um, right. Yeah. Like I say, everybody get in touch. Let us know what you think of what we've talked about or anything else. And uh, we'll be back in another two months. And we shall disappear now. And Chris is going to spend all night on uh, Radio Garden, are you
1: not? Yes, whilst looking at movies that Gary Daniels has done. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: And and with that, we shall say goodbye. So until next time, ciao, Bye-bye.